Hello. So before we start today's episode of Multimodal, uh, if you're listening or watching the video on YouTube, I just want to give you a heads up. We had some service interruptions as well as some video and audio quality issues uh, due to my service provider called Riverside. I want to apologize in advance. Uh, however, the video is still awesome. This very well may be the best episode of Multimodal ever. Uh, Lupine, which is the guest from today's episode, was incredible. Um, and I do encourage you to still watch it, even if the, the lip sync or the audio sync between the video and audio is like sort of out of place at times. I encourage you to keep watching because of course the video has the image visuals that go along with what we were talking about. So anyway, sorry again, and I hope you enjoy today's episode. Hello, and welcome back to Multimodal. I'm your host, Baxty Future. This is a podcast about GPT-3, multimodal AI models like Dolly 2, the company OpenAI. In this podcast, I may talk about new OpenAI research and products, different community initiatives that are going on. I may talk about my own research, my own products. And in this podcast, I definitely try to make sense of what's going on. I try to look at the world from the perspective of a GPT-3 developer or perhaps a Dolly 2 artist. And every once in a while, I'll throw out there, guess, extrapolate, suggest on what all of this could mean for the future. This is definitely not a podcast about today. This is a podcast about tomorrow. I want to thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Multimodal. We have not just a guest on this podcast. We have a very special guest. Uh, I'm sure by the end of this conversation, you guys are going to realize how lucky we are to have Lupine here. Uh, she's like a leading Dolly 2 artist. She's She's been with the community for the begin from the beginning. I would say she's been a very positive force. And one thing that's very cool about Lupine, uh, I you know she's she's not just a positive force, but she has a very distinct art style. I think having browsed through her work now, because you know we followed each other on Twitter for a while, I've seen real growth and progression. And of course, if if you all tuned in to the last episode of the podcast, I uploaded. The uh, the Dolly 2 talk, the inaugural Twitter Spaces event where Lapine was also there. And I just remember learning a lot from her. And I just think she's an incredible resource, very insightful. Um, and maybe even, I'm going to throw this out there, maybe even a little bit more in touch with her creative artistic spirit than than most people. So anyways, thank you so much for being here, Lapine. Uh, did you want to go ahead and introduce yourself? Thank you. Uh, yeah, I, I think... Um... No introduction that I could give myself is is ever going to top that. So we're like opening up with me getting all misty. Um, <laughs> thank you. Um, but yeah, I am Lapine. And um, what Back said, I've I had early access to Dolly. Um, and it's definitely been a creative outlet for me in ways that I did not expect. Um, yeah, so I'm happy to to get into that and, and many more things. Yes. And throughout the conversation, we're going to obviously get to know Lapine. She's got really interesting background by the sound of it. Like you've lived in many different places, right? Around the world, by my understanding. Just in the U.S. Um, okay. But I'm, I'm not entirely convinced that I'm from this planet to begin with. So just kidding. <laughs> okay. Because I was going to say we're going to get into that. <laughs> we can. But we I can. Mean, okay. Okay. <laughs> joking. Joking. Awesome. I, think, um, I think we've all felt that way at some point in our lives. I mean, recently I've, I've been really just like every other tech bro digging the simulation theory. Like, so maybe not an alien, but it is simulation. So kind I, of like a, a Truman show, except more yes. messed up. 
Yes, and I, I've been tweeting about the Truman Show last week, and other people were tweeting about Dolly too, and its relation to the Truman Show, like how it it also makes them feel that way. But, I missed that. Oh my gosh, I need to I need to catch up on that conversation. Yeah, but anyways, so Lapine, tell me what was the what was the transition like? Like, when did you first hear about Dolly two? Is this is this a new thing for you? Were you dabbling in Mid Journey? Uh, were you going more traditional art straight to Dolly 2? What was it like? So specific to Dolly, I have um, actually this kind of aloof relationship with Dolly. So I've had early user access since early April. However, I became familiar with Dolly, the original, in the summer of 2020. Uh, one of my housemates who has been a long time family friend, dear friend, very close to me. Uh, we've actually moved across the country together. We have a great group of friends that left the East Coast to come to the Bay Area. Um, so he works for OpenAI. And in the summer of 2020, uh, when everybody's locked down because of COVID and especially in the Bay Area, because we had those orders to stay home for over a year. And, you know, it was an apartment with a shared common space. And I'd walk past and he'd say, hey, I need you to give me an idea for something. And I was like, you know, what's going on? And he pulls up the Slack discussion and that was the original Dolly. You would put, they, OpenAI users would put a prompt into a Slack channel that was programmed such that it would do an output. And it was a cartoon output, um, but I've always had a knack for just kind of very out there and obscure and strange um, thoughts. So I remember uh, the very first prompt that I gave to my my housemate, my good friend. Um, I said, see if it can do a chihuahua reading a book during siesta on Cinco de Mayo, because I wanted to give it different context for a holiday. Um, you know, siesta would involve a nap and see what it did with that. And I will never forget, I was so blown away. It put out this little cartoon image of a chihuahua and he was sitting on a bed. He had a book in front of him and there's flags, like a banner of flags um, hanging above the bed. He's got a sombrero on. So the model was able to infer all of the, the cultural context of the holiday. The fact that siesta meant you were likely to be sleeping, but this dog wasn't. He was reading a book um, and I was just blown away. And from there, it was like, okay, I would, I would get a text message. I would be out and my, my friend is saying, give me another one. And I'm like, a drunk turkey on a moped. I don't know. And then he'd send me a screenshot. And it was, it was a cartoon turkey that looks sloshed driving a moped. So <laughs> that was kind of my, my early brush with um, uh, kind of uh, exposure to Dolly. Um, yeah. And then I, you know, had, I feel very fortunate to have been invited to uh, some various open AI events over the last few years. Uh, my roommate started with them in 2016. I have not been to all events, certainly, but um, I remember the specifically the event right before, um, it might have been like February or January of 2020, so before, you know, things got a little crazy. And I, I said, you know, to one of his coworkers, like, how's it, how's it going? You guys are, you know, full steam ahead on this. And they were telling me, um, yeah, it's great. But, uh, we, we kind of hit a funny snag this week. And I said, oh, what was that? And he showed me his phone and he had prompted a picture of a woman 
looking at a man with binoculars. And the image was a man and a woman face to face, each with a pair of binoculars touching each other because it couldn't infer was the woman looking at the man with binoculars or was the man looking at the woman and she had binoculars. So that was my last kind of, uh, not check-in, but you know, discussion with someone about it. And then all of a sudden, fast forward, I don't know where the heck the last two years have went, but then it was like, here you go, try this thing. And it's just been, um, it's been wild ever since. My life will never be the same. Yes. And so along the way, did you have any exposure to GPT-3? Uh, did you, how did you find that at the so time? I was also a beta user for GPT-3. Um, and I used it very lightheartedly uh, for just um, really just playing with the model, experimenting and giving feedback on it. I did a couple of short fiction, uh, yeah, short stories, fiction, sci-fi, which turned surprisingly dark. It ended up not, you know, through my own direction and ended up talking about um, having no choice but to mine asteroids. And there was a lot of destruction. And, um, and I do remember some very early on quirks uh, in GPT-3. Uh, for example, I'd asked it to, uh, you know, write a description of a rabbit for me. And it told me that rabbits had six legs and a patch of fur where the scrotum should be. So clearly at that point, it still needed a little bit of work. Um, so I, I gave that feedback as well. Uh, and then I didn't use GPT-3 too much over the last few years. Um, if I, you know, had kind of a an abstract, putting together an abstract thought or maybe outlining uh, some ideas I had for some writing, I found it most useful for that. I see. So a uh, little bit, a little bit dabbling in GPT-3, uh, you know, maybe some lessons learned from the beta as well as, you know, even the earlier access you had. I definitely think there's a lot of parallels between GPT-3 beta access and Dolly beta access. Yeah. Like you're able to sort of learn from that experience uh, for all of these new AI models. Um, and also, so in between, so, you, you know, you had, you were poking around a little bit, suggesting some prompts. And then you jump straight to Dolly too. Was there any in between? Like, was there a VQ GAN and clip? Was there mid journey? No, None of that stuff? Not at all. No. And okay. this is just, yeah, that's why it's been like wild yeah. and terrifying. And yeah. I, there's part of me that's like, oh, I feel so uh, not, not worthy of this privilege because I honestly, I had certainly been appreciating AI art and just like really blown away from um, people's mid journeys and, I was just like, oh, there's, you know, that's amazing. I don't know anything about that. I, I don't think there's any way I could ever, you know, be involved in that. And then mm. lo and behold. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. And it's interesting watching people who've only used uh, Disco Diffusion or VQGAN and Clip or, or those. I can tell by their prompts if they've been <laughs> power users of that stuff when they come over to Dolly because essentially it's like the more you've written in your prompt like and the more modifiers you have you spend a lot of time on the other <laughs> tools and then dolly is like a more cleaner prompt obviously yeah, they can get longer but there's just something that i i love so much about that kind of ethereal kind of 
mid-journey aesthetic like you you look at the yeah. image and you're like this is wild even if some part of it is is missing or very abstract it's just still to me i was just like this is incredible um so i've always i've had that appreciation for it for sure yeah i i definitely think all all the models have character and are will be used you know years later maybe decades later even after there's more sophisticated options um, like I, I wouldn't mind using GPT three, even in like 2032 or whatever, um, just because maybe it has sentimental value for me. Right. Uh, regardless yes. of the capabilities. Um, I mean, I still have my game boy from back in the day, so I, I feel that sentimental value. And, uh, then I have a, you know, the Nintendo DS Lite, and I still play Mario Kart once in a while on it. So I, I see the value there. That nostalgia is. The nostalgia runs deep. Yes. And I I had experimented with these tools, but honestly, I didn't talk too much myself about them, either on the podcast or my YouTube channel. Um, part of the reason is like I just wasn't – I didn't feel it was mainstream ready. And so maybe one of the exciting things about Dolly 2 is this is a mainstream ready multimodal AI model. Like it is a breakthrough in that way. Um, I'd say up until this point, it's been – weird internet nerds like me who just like obsess over the stuff and hang out in discords and stuff. And I mean, obviously they are, play a critical role. I don't think we'd have Dolly too, if it wasn't for this critical mass, that's, you know, this niche, this niche group of people who just are obsessed with the potential of AI based creativity. Um, but anyway, so what was the first experience like? So you went from first gear to like third gear, right? Straight to Dolly two. What, what do you remember about the first week or so that you used it? So I wasn't sure on like the timing of it. So right out of the gate, I was very surprised to just wake up one day to an email. And the email was just like, here's your, you know, click this link and put in your password and you're, you're good to go. There were very basic rules. Um, no sharing photorealistic faces, keep it rated PG, you know, just simple, but also no instructions whatsoever. Um, so I remember opening it and thinking, what am I really looking at? Um, I had seen my housemate playing around with it a little bit, but in the sense that he had uploaded uh, a photo of his brother and then used in painting to put a hat on him. So I, I didn't really appreciate the capabilities of it. I thought like, oh yeah, that's, that's fun. Um, so at first I didn't really know what I was doing. I was, you know, putting a lot of descriptors in and getting frustrated uh that it was you know didn't understand what this was and then in you know that's when i really started to use in painting a lot um and i think i kind of developed my styles around requiring a lot of in painting um i don't really post too many uh, direct prompts um just because i'm pretty i'm pretty picky and that's not to say that that dolly's not super impressive like as soon as you you know you generate those um but if you're doing specific things, I feel like I feel like when you're looking at it, your eye or the human eye can catch that one little artifact that probably isn't a big deal. Most people wouldn't notice. But as the creator, you're always going to be a little more critical of it and say, I, I need to get this or, like, or, you know, just one more thing. OK, let, let me fix just one more thing. And next thing you know, it's hours later. I spent seven hours on one prompt. I remember back in April, um, and it's my my profile picture of the Krabbit, uh, and it was just <laughs> really struggling with, I, I was picky because 
crab claws aren't the same size and I shouldn't have been this picky, but I wanted it to be obviously not believable because it was a Victorian painting, but I was like, I want the claws to be represented as they would be. And then I wanted it to put carrots in. And so I ended up like, you know, seven hours later, I'm like, oh my gosh, okay, I have to stop. I have to like step away for a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. And, and definitely like one of the things I admire is, um, in paint. So it's, it's kind of like, you know, lots of people come up with lots of prompts and post them in painting is where you're doing work behind the scenes, right? Like yeah. it's to the end user. There's no idea. Was this, I didn't, I didn't know that was a seven hour prompt. No, right. Most like I, and I, I, I think this is probably the first time I feel comfortable admitting that because most people would be like, Lapine, what is wrong with you? But I, you know, I, I respect the craft of it, right? Like I think, like I, like I mentioned the Twitter space event, like I don't do a lot of in painting cause I'm constantly distracted with prompts. Like I'm so caught up in flashiness, <laughs> this and that. Oh, I wonder if it can do this. And like, sometimes I'm even doing like physics experiments, right? Like if the, if the straw is in the glass, is the light going to oh, yeah. refract? Right? Like stuff like that. That's like, <laughs> now do you, I find this to be true, but I'm wondering if others have had the same where you kind of end up on a theme of the week or two weeks. And I got real hung up on, reflections for a while where I would say like, you know, dawn light in a hall of mirrors. And just every time I was like, oh, they got it right. Or something that was underwater or had water droplets on it, or a close up of an eye looking at a, a wall that has a window to visit show the reflection. So I got, and then the oil slick puddle with the cityscape uh, in it. So I think, I feel like we all that, whether it's a physics experiment or some texture. I think I saw August was was going through a, a bunch of a kind of grainy, went through like a grainy phrase of of making these images that appeared, you know, like arch archival images. Um, and I, I think I see that happening to a lot of other artists that we go through our, um, you know, theme of the week or, you know, that's driven by our amazement or with the capability that we see there. Um, and we kind of get fixated on it. So for that week, you can guarantee all your prompts are going to have crazy light or crazy colors or texture. It's it's definitely part of the process. Like, I, I think you, you want to get an intuition of the model. You want to develop like a symbiotic kind of understanding of how it thinks. You know what I mean? How you think. Um, I love that. Yeah. It yeah. You know, symbiotics are... A great way of putting it, because um, I think what makes Dolly so unique is that at this point, when I'm scrolling my Twitter feed, I can almost always tell whose prompt I'm looking at. And even if somebody replies under their image with their version of that prompt, it doesn't look the same. Not just because Dolly's giving them a different image, but people are using inpainting differently. Um, everyone seems to have their kind of own own style, which really says a lot because in this, this, um, platform that is, you know, almost, let's say for AI models, it's very out of the box. And we are back. Sorry, we got disconnected there. Um, so I believe where we last left off, Lapine, you were talking about how you can tell people's style, uh, just based on the results and also just Dolly comes with so much stuff out of the box. So did you want to expand? What did you mean about that out of the box stuff? 
Yeah. So how we were, you know, much like we were discussing um, Mid Journey and and some of the others earlier, and and some of the AI art that requires a bit of of coding for your prompts. There's none of that with Dolly. So it's you know, literally, if you were to imagine an AI platform that is out of the box to the user, that's it right there. Like, imagine yourself opening it up. It's good to go. You don't have to plug it in. comes with the batteries, which is always nice. Um, so even with that, even with how anyone that obviously with access can just, just go hit their ground running, I can still tell after someone's been using it for a week or so, like, you really do start to notice their styles come through, um, whether it's the way they craft their prompt, whether it's uh, kind of an affinity for a certain effect. Uh, and it's great because it, it, you know, you would, a, a lot of the early nervous naysayers that I, I saw some conversations on Twitter about saying that, you know, this is terrible. It's, it's, you know, it's going to art, you know, AI arts over or whatever. It's not, you still see that individuality in there, you still see everyone's um, personal style come through. So I don't, I don't think that will be lost at all. It's, it's definitely interesting. Like part of the reason I, I didn't promote a lot of the other models as much is I just didn't want people to get a bad impression of the possibilities, right? They may have used some of these models and been like, cool, this is 10 years away. When in <laughs> reality, it's not. Yeah, and, I got some and, angry Twitter messages the first week. They warned us about that, though. They did warn us about that. Oh, really? Like, just, like, people thinking it's not that good? Or and they're just, like, concerned about the impacts of it? So some of the, like, in that in that early email, the invite email, which I kind of, and, you know, Danielle Baskin and I had talked about this, we felt like we were just turned loose in a laboratory, like, okay, here you go. Yeah. And it's like, what do I do? Yeah, just, just go. Um, in the email, they did say that, you know, you might, this is a very uh, powerful technology, you might get uh, mixed reactions to it, mostly people that are, you know, wow, this is great, or some people that have very strong feelings about it. Um, so there, there was a lot, there's a lot of push pull. And I chose not to engage in much conversation around that early on because I didn't feel qualified to speak on it, especially compared to other AI art um, platforms. But I didn't have to say anything because Twitterverse certainly jumped in and took both sides of that argument for me. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Okay. So that's, that's really interesting. And so what was your first prompt? Do you remember? Oh my gosh. Um, so I tried to go, you know, super, oh, actually, no. So my, my first prompt was, I don't think it was the first one I shared, but I shared it eventually. And it was actually done on my roommate's computer, like a couple days before I had access. I said, can I, can I try this? So technically my first prompt was the abstract. It just said an abstract painting of an elephant balancing act. And that's when I was just floored at the results that I got back because it was this very airy, brushy painting um, of an elephant with all the correct number of legs and a trunk and a tail who is balancing on a, a ball, and, or it may have been a triangle, I don't remember, but it was, I was just blown away. So that was actually my first one that I did. And then that was before I had access. Also on my, on my housemate's computer, uh, I had uploaded a picture of one of my rabbits and I used in painting to give him frog legs. 
Um, so that, those That's were the awesome. two. Yeah, I, I had to yeah. get that that silly one out of the way, but that one gave me a little bit of a freak out because it had matched the pattern on the carpet around him when it replaced his back legs with frog legs, and I was kind of spooked after that. And then just from those experiences, had an appreciation for how powerful it was. Um, I think my very first prompt was when I was approaching it um, differently. I was kind of like, oh, I was treating it like a blank canvas where I could add in elements. So I had asked for, um, as a metal worker, I had asked for this metallic DNA helix, but I wanted it underwater. And um, there was a, a fractured clock watch or uh, pocket watch that was sinking under it. And then I wanted to put a hummingbird in there. Um, and it was supposed to be my concept of time versus entropy. But that was one where I spent hours on in-painting too, because I right off the bat treated Dolly like, all right, I'm going to create a blank canvas and then add all this stuff in, um, which I learned pretty quickly is if you got four or five hours to sit there and do that, you can. Um, but there's other ways to get where you want it to go. Yes. And so then uh, from your first prompt to like you're mentioning, um, people develop their own styles. Uh, what do you think causes the emergence of individual styles with Dolly 2? Where does that come from? Oh my gosh. Um, well, I can't speak for others, but for me personally, you will see a lot of things that are uh, based in personal interests of mine, whether it's a metal sculpture. I don't think anybody uh, would doubt that I love the desert based on my Dolly prompts. I've surrounded by all things desert uh actually made made this little metal guy up here um i just live in the desert and i it's to me is just one of the most beautiful places on earth so you'll see a lot of jackrabbits i also absolutely adore rabbits as i have several of them so you'll see a lot of jackrabbits uh cacti i'm really big fan of all things steampunk so you'll see a lot of steampunk coming in again that that metal element to it um, and I know August, uh, she's a photographer, so she's taken some of her photographs and used in painting to alter them in certain ways. Um, you know, Danielle's done some stuff with city concepts and, um, Xerox Park was one of my favorite ones that she did. I love that one. Welcome to Xerox Park. You haven't seen that I one? It. I love that one. Oh, that one's great. I and love her, it. her yeah. adding snakes, uh, get, get more done by adding snakes to your sales team. That was pretty good too. Um, but yeah, so you, and then, uh, Doug Bonneville, uh, you know, as a, an illustrator, then seeing his work, uh, his, before he had access to Dolly, seeing his, his actual pen and ink sketches, seeing his mid journey work, and then seeing his Dolly work, I can still tell no matter what his medium is that I'm looking at, like, oh, this is a Doug Bonneville. So I think it's really a combination of, what that person is very interested in, what medium they were working with previously. Um, and I think that's what that's what makes it so unique to anyone. And I think even somebody that um, you know doesn't doesn't have much artistic experience. So for example, I know uh, the user Sleepless Doc, who I, I don't think has been particularly active lately. He's actually a physician. I think he's been busy in the clinic, but a lot of his prompts were these like uh, steampunk 
anatomical drawings and cell biology sketches. And so that obviously influenced his style. So even, even if somebody doesn't consider themselves an artist, their life experiences, interests, or just the way they move through the world, I think is really going to have an influence on, on their prompt style. I, I definitely agree. And by the way, uh, Doug, uh, Danielle, August, they've all been uh, in the last uh, Twitter Space event talk that we had that I posted. So, Oh, yeah. Uh, okay. Those are my, right? those are my first... Um, my first Twitter friend. So fun fact, I actually did not have Twitter before Dolly access. I actually made a Twitter for when I got Dolly. Um, yeah, because that's awesome. actually, wait, I don't, that's a lie. I think I had Twitter back in 2010 mm -hmm. and I just kind of forgot about it. Uh, yeah. so much so that I don't even think my old username exists. So <laughs> I had to come yeah. back I had but... to come back to Twitter, but I'm actually finding it uh, quite enjoyable all your growth is purely Dolly, like pure Dolly to artist, right? And I noticed that. That's part of the reason I invited you. I, I, I went through your media and it just starts when you got access, right? <laughs> yeah, so like immediately. You're, you're witnessing artistic career success uh, like live right now. Uh, so uh, it's exciting to see. Um, so in my experience, like I, I didn't realize how much fun it is to actually onboard people to Dolly, or at least, yeah. or at least let them see use your account for a little bit. Um, you see their life experiences, you see their philosophical views, you understand them, you get to know them at a real, intimate level. And I also find that, depending on people's backgrounds, they just find all these interesting modifiers, prompts, as well as use cases, like especially yeah. if they're in existing creative disciplines. And yes. there definitely is something for everyone with Dolly, which is, and I, 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 I thought GPT-3 was like that. Dolly is like a million times more really, like that, right? I really yeah. feel that. I really feel that there's, there is appeal uh, in Dolly for, for everyone. And I love what you just said about, um, you know, th people using it in, in areas that they already were involved in creatively. Did you see? Oh, and another favorite one. Um, when kids get to use Dolly. So great. Uh, so great. I don't know. And there's something that combines the two points that we just covered. Did you happen to see the post of the dad who made the chicken slippers that one of his children had prompted? Yeah, I saw that one. I thought that was amazing. Yeah. And I was just yeah. like, I love everything about this. And um, there was just one, like, because, you know, children children see the world very differently than we do, obviously. And I think uh, we lose some of that as we as we move through life and, and accumulate entropy. Um, but yeah. the simplicity of the, the kids' prompts, it just is funny. It gives you, some of them are outright hilarious. Like someone did a toilet race car and I'm 36 years old laughing at that, thinking like, you know, it's funny. It doesn't matter how old you are. Like you can appreciate that. Um, that I just, I love seeing, um, I, I, I do agree with what you said that uh, all these experiences that, that kind of shape us influence the prompts and you're right that you do get a very uh personal look at someone and what i've started to notice too is if i'm looking at somebody's prompts or somebody's out you know their dolly art i can kind of tell when they're maybe going through a little something different or difficult because their style will change a little bit i'm seeing them prompt for darker things i won't say who but i saw somebody 
posting uh, imposter syndrome. (laughs) And I was like, okay, someone's going through some stuff. So I feel like we get this uh, very beautiful window into others around us, um, their, their life and what's going on for them. And of course they may not have expressed that before. Now they have a convenient way to just, let me, let me type up this text. It exists. The expression is done. I can move on. The value of that, like that is something that a lot of traditional, or I won't really say traditional, non, non AI artists or other mediums, they spend a tremendous amount of time working on a piece. And, you know, they even say that artists have like their blue period where they were, you know, down for a while and their art shows that, but you now have created an outlet for folks to explore those feelings expressively. And this is something I touched upon in one of the Twitter spaces where I say like, I think this will be very therapeutic for, for people. Um, you know, art therapy is very much a thing. We use, dif- we use our brain differently when we're being creative and this just makes it a lot easier for people that maybe don't paint or don't draw or don't know how to use Photoshop or procreate. They now have a chance to kind of explore what they're feeling and create a visual representation from that. And then, um, it kind of becomes this, this digital diary of sorts. Yeah. And I, so one other thing I've, I've observed is I think people's art style develops based on Dolly prompts that work. Yes. So, and it's like some overlap between Dolly prompts that work really well and also that they really like. And I almost feel like people have go-to prompts and modifiers they use just to test the waters before they actually do the prompt they want. Mm -hmm. And so their style ends up being a culmination of of those things. Um, But like, uh, I absolutely agree with you. Like uh, in in terms of therapeutic, I, I find even, uh, curiosity to be quite therapeutic, right? To see people, I, somebody, I showed them, uh, Dolly and they typed in, uh, you know, uh, a city and in, in where they grew up, the country they grew up in like the 1890s. Cause they were just curious what it used to look like. And right. I, there's something about human curiosity, which is also just such a surprising driver for Dolly usage besides even just artistic expression, but it makes sense. Like I think creativity and curiosity are, are very highly linked. It's true. Uh, my, I asked my father early on for a prompt and he wanted of all things, a wasp nest waffle. And <laughs> I recently shared it under one of Doug Bonneville's, uh, posts about his centipede smoothie, but I originally did not share it because it was just so creepy that I did not, I was just like, I don't feel right sharing this with people, but my, my dad's like, do a wasp nest waffle. And I was like, okay, for you, dad, I'll do this. (laughs) So yeah, like, that's where your, that's where your mind went. Um, but it was, it was funny. And, and and I remember Danielle posting this like fire meme where it was like, there's only two Dolly prompts within you. (laughs) Yes. You remember that? Yeah. So one Uh, is. Long. One is like a very flawless photography render, and on the other side was like Elmo at a KFC. Yep, <laughs> right. I I immediately gave that a like because I was like, it's so freaking accurate. Like, I <laughs> I think we all feel that. Yeah, and so it's it's curiosity. Uh, you know, whether I'm doing some physics stuff or whatever, 
Uh, you're exploring more stuff with steampunk. Like I, I think there there is some curiosity driver. So uh, switching gears a little bit. So uh, I wanted you to tell us about the rabbit mirror ritual. <laughs> okay, that's a that's a great question. Um, and the the answer might be less exciting or maybe more exciting than than you would assume. So I have currently only two rabbits, and I say only because there have been times where I've had a lot more rabbits. Um, one is a rescue that I got seven years ago. Uh, the other is a 12-pound meat mutt. So he was kind of lineage was bred for meat. He's massive, and he is the actually he's the he's the scaredy cat or the scaredy bun of the group, and the tiny little two-pound one thinks he's in charge of everything. Even though they have very different personalities, they do this thing that I've noticed other rabbits that I've had also do. When you put them in front of a mirror, they kind of puff up a little bit like, oh, are you another rabbit? And they'll stand up on their hind legs a couple times trying to be the taller rabbit and then touch their nose to the mirror. And I've always called that, oh, look, it's the rabbit mirror ritual. Because um, every rabbit I've had has done that. I, that's And that's how they interact with other rabbits. They don't know. They kind of puff up and check it out. Um, so when they see their reflection, they think, who are you? Do I have to be the, the stronger rabbit? Um, so I, I thought, like, okay, you know what? It didn't occur to me right away until uh, to try it right off the bat. I actually got the idea because I was moving some stuff around and I moved a uh, like a floor length mirror into the corner that had not previously been upstairs. And one of my rabbits ran right over to the mirror and did the rabbit mirror ritual. And I thought, oh my gosh, why? This is one of those things that is so normal to me that I would have never thought to put it in there unless Gizmo is his name. Gizmo just went up and did that. And I was not disappointed. Um, it's given some, it actually gave me one so terrifying that I could not post it because it definitely was not PG. It gave this very frightening symbol with rabbits that looked like they were covered in blood, which I was surprised. Yep. Um, but most of them have been like a little cultish looking, uh, rabbit, rabbit seance looking. There's a mirror. Um, I did an experiment where I reversed it. So instead of the rabbit mirror ritual, I said the mirror rabbit ritual, and it gave me this hilarious old photograph of people in hoods with or robes with rabbit ears on, and they're all bending at like this awkward, nuggery angle in front of this mirror with a rabbit face in it. So Incredible. I've had, yeah, I've had a lot of fun um, with that, and I think that's a prompt that I'm going to keep coming back to, uh, where I'm just like, you know what, it's time for it's time for the rabbit mirror ritual. <laughs> Yeah, and like, just even as a fan, like it's it's funny because like you've done so much rabbit stuff, but the rabbit mirror ritual took it to another place, which I like seeing. It's a Got little weird, bit, and I love it. A little bit cultish, a little bit occult. It's in, you know, it's in the desert. Like you know, you, you love. Like I now have that piece as well. Like where's that coming from? Um, and it's almost like you know what it is. <laughs> you, like it seems familiar for some reason, and you don't. Know, quite know what it is but you know what it is you know and like yeah uh, you look at it and you're like okay this is a thing, thing. 
So um, I know, and I I haven't done. You know, I've. I'm sure everyone is feeling this, and I've been very quiet about it on Twitter because I realize what a privilege it is to have access to Dolly for months at this point. Um, but the the generation limits have really curbed my ability to do some of the more abstract stuff, like the the rabbit mirror ritual is not instantaneous. Sometimes it like it gives me a rabbit with an extra arm, or I try to fine tune something and it puts a whole extra rabbit head in there. So. I was very eager when there was talk of, you know, pricing coming and I was like, oh my gosh, take my money. I better like work as overtime so that I can afford all my in painting. <laughs> so I've been, I've been feeling a little bit absent uh, from that. And uh, one thing though, that I did uh, use this, this, uh, this time for is, you know, I haven't done a tremendous amount of actual painting in the last years. I think I've actually only completed one painting since the start of the pandemic, which is interesting because you would think if you're stuck at home a lot, you would be doing that. But that turns out not to be the case. It turns out when you work from home, you work from home all the time. And by that, yeah. I mean like all the time. <laughs> so I thought, you know, while I'm kind of, um, you know, not having as many prompts available, which I totally am okay with if it means more people get access, I use that time to say, I'm going to pick one prompt that's totally not something I would ever paint, not a style. And I made one rule that I was not allowed to um, omit any artifacts or um, any just obscurities. Um, so I actually, this was the prompt that I chose. Of course, it's a rabbit in the desert. So I printed it out on my very not good quality printer. Um, and for the last many weeks, it's not done yet, but it's getting there. Oh my God, that's so cool. So I left in all of these kind of strange streaks of color that I normally would not, would mm. not do. Um, mm. So I still have a lot of detailing to do on it, but. I actually have had so much fun with that process that I'm already trying to think, well, what's the next one? And I, I was thinking I'm actually going to let Twitter decide for me. I'll give like three or six options and then have a vote on it. So, so everyone else will get to pick what I paint next. <laughs> so. That's so cool. And were there any lessons learned from painting AI generated prompts, AI generated works in real life? Yeah, so it, it actually made me really appreciate what Dolly does because sure, we can look at a prompt uh, output image and think like, wow, this is incredible. But when you're looking at it and kind of translating it onto canvas, it's really when you're like, holy crap, this model did this in 20 seconds and I'm like taking hours to do this and just all these little nuances to it. So it did make me really appreciate um what it's capable of and also because dolly does light so well light is one of the trickier things to get right um, when you're painting especially acrylic paints that dry really fast and you don't have a ton of time to blend it uh, so light can be really challenging um and i feel like dolly kind of gave me a lesson in like and we're back uh to our amazing fire fire dolly 2 conversation with lapine we got disconnected it's cool 
So you were telling us about lighting and how painting Dolly in real life, uh, how it made you appreciate the lighting more. Yes, it's true. So not only did it give me an appreciation for how well Dolly recreates light and shadows, um, and I've heard other artists say this too, but that can be a very difficult and frustrating part of painting. So I feel like I'm getting a lesson here when I look at this image, even though my original prompt, I think, was just a, a jackrabbit in the desert gazing at the moon. Um, I would think, oh, my gosh, yeah, punch up the highlights on his, you know, his leg, even though you don't think about that. But that in reality, that leg would be sticking out just enough to catch that highlight. So I feel like it's um, kind of edging me towards um, kind of analyzing analyzing it a little bit differently. And, and again, not just a style that I would not normally do, but using light in a way that I wouldn't have thought. Got it. Um, so, I mean, that's an awesome experience. I've seen other people make paintings of Dolly to generated art. And I guess it's just also, there's like tons of fun of seeing your stuff in real life, whether you, you know, you design a poster or whether, you know what I mean? Uh, Chicken slippers. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, like like seeing those made in as a real product from something in your head, which is like just a prompt to real life. Yeah. Um, and I, you also mentioned the pricing and in painting. So for a lot of people who don't have Dolly Two Axes, I just want to clarify. So right now, uh, we can only do a maximum of fifty prompts a day, fifty sort of searches. You can only enter uh, fifty things and get back results. And so. Part of the problem is that when you're editing an image through a process called in-painting, that counts towards your quota. And so what Lupine is saying is she can't iterate anymore as a result of this limitation and go deep on on any of her images. And it, it, it really sucks because, like, uh, Lupine, I feel, is leading when it comes to in-painting and pushing the limits of it, like what's possible. Um, so it, it sucks to kind of lose out on that. Uh, in many ways. And I don't know about you, but this whole pricing stuff, like it's, it's getting very real. Like they sent out the survey. So for a lot of people who don't know, OpenAI sent out a survey yesterday about pricing information. Uh, today, they confirmed they're working on billing and credits. So the good news is, I think this is an indicator that uh, they're probably going to be ramping up, probably opening up, like, don't quote me on that. I mean, I'm just assuming. Um, uh you know, and maybe they're more confident in, in the safety and all that stuff as well. Like it says a lot on one hand. On the other hand, like I am sweating bullets because pricing needs to be done right. Um, there's a, you know, it, it can really affect the virality. It can really affect the culture. It can affect the incentives. Like at this point, and if anybody at Opening Eyes listening, by my understanding, like through this quota, you are disincentivizing in painting already today. Like, so this is a whole tool. This is a whole format. There's, you know, we barely scratched the surface of what's possible with it. The pricing structure is impacting it. Um, and right now it's free, but I'm saying, you know, it's really important, like how OpenAI handles this. And I'm probably going to do like a follow-up video or something, just sharing my thoughts on, on pricing um, because uh, pricing, incentives, access, affordability, like these things matter. And I, I mean, it's really hard though. Like to give credit to OpenAI, like I, by my understanding, Dolly is a really expensive service to run. It requires a lot of GPU power, and I do think I don't mind paying to fund the GPUs and so that more people get access. 
And I can even afford up to an even higher amount, probably more so than most people, right? But it's something that I'm sweating bullets because it needs to be done so right. And I already was complaining about GPT-3 pricing <laughs> like a few weeks ago on the podcast. Um, and I, I'm like, they simplified it a lot, but it's still not where it could be. So anyways, that's my little, little spiel about doll. And I'm sure you agree with me that pricing needs to be handled. Like it's, it's the last... In my view with Dolly, all they have to do at this point is not screw it up. And pricing <laughs> is one of those things where you could screw it up. Uh, and so you just need to be careful. And I, you know, I had a thought about this after, of course, after I filled out the survey very nervously, I was like, oh my gosh, I don't want to lowball them. This is an incredible piece of technology. I know it's expensive to run. I know how much work has gone into it, or at least, you know, know that a tremendous amount of work has gone into it. Um, but I should have, you know, afterwards I had this thought and I should follow up with them where maybe you have one price for your your prompt, but then in painting could be cheaper because there are a lot of folks and users that don't do a lot of in painting either because they got the image they wanted. Maybe they don't have the patience or maybe they're not just for whatever reason they don't use in painting. Um so I think that would be one option is like you pay a price for the prompt. And then if you're staying on that, staying with that generation and just, you know, iterating, that's what in painting is. It's like small adjustments. You would pay a lesser price for each of those. And I'm not sure if that's something they considered, but I, I should follow up to the survey with that. Um, and, you know, I haven't seen any talk of, you know, the survey really just said like, you know, pay per generation. Um, it doesn't sound like there'll be any, you know, tiered uses like, okay, you, you do like a monthly subscription and you get like this many prompts and tier one, tier two. I liked your post about, um, the Dolly, Dolly God, was it? I was just like, oh my gosh. God mode. God mode. Yeah. That was incredible. I was like, oh, if only, um, so I'm, I'm really yeah. curious to see what they come out with pricing. And, you know, fortunately, with OpenAI, they do listen to feedback. So if it comes out and it's just not affordable for folks, I think they'll be receptive to that and make those adjustments. I, I, you know, all these things like it can go bad, but also it's it's just really exciting, right? And everybody plays the game differently. Like me, I would run Dolly completely at a loss for a year. Like that's what I would do. Um, there's other things too. Like I like. I would rather win people over for life. You know what I mean? Win the whole world for life. Like that, that's, that's how I play the game. Um, and I mean, there's like, there's other things too. Like I, I think there's a lot of chance, like for example, the stock photography industry, I've not been a fan basically my whole <laughs> life. Like I, in many creatives may describe the stock photography industry as the bane of their existence, you know, like literally. <laughs> I've, heard, I've heard people throw shade at it. Yeah. And in my view, I would go as far as say they are exploitative, right? They are rent extractors on top of the creative outputs of humanity. Uh, go ahead and quote me on that, uh, internet. Well, but I'm, I'm going to write that down. <laughs> the point is there's a, there's a lot of chance to do good here, right? Like if, 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 if Dolly becomes integrated, maybe it does not have like a credit space system, something more generous. Um, I, I think 
there's real opportunity for creatives to create even more great things and for Dolly to continue to be a part of it. So I think you you can look at the game like how it's always been and you can kind of look at where the game could be. And I think I like where the game could be and I like investing long term, right? Like if if the thesis is long term, the whole world will be using this uh, every day, every student K to 12, which is what I believe will be using Dolly at least once a week. If that's the belief, then, you know, really, really think deeply about credits. Like, I don't I don't quite know how I feel about credits and uh, just do a lot of good. There's a lot of chance to do good here and uh, stuff like that. So uh, we can we can keep going on about pricing. This is an issue that's like top of mind for me. You could tell, right? I can I can <laughs> I can see you sweating and getting worked up from here. It's, it's passionate. I'm, I'm too passionate. So no, no uh, such thing. Never such a thing. Yeah. Uh, so I'm I'm gonna wind it back a little bit. So we'll go through one of your generations. I have it open here, uh, and everybody else will see it on the screen. So the prompt was a plein air painting of pathologists arguing in a laboratory while examining a watermelon. Okay, did you want to so Did you want to tell us a story about this? I would love to tell you the story, but I must give credit where it's due. So the story behind this prompt and generation was that I was responding to a story, literally by Doug Bonneville. So in his first week of access, Doug used um, Dolly to, he made a story about uh, the great conflict. Conf yes, there was something that happened at Watermelonville. And he tells this whole story through plein air paintings. And it shows watermelons plastered to buildings and buildings on fire and um, people just, you know, freaking out. Like, so it is implied in his story that there was this, and people started responding to it, never forget Watermelonville. And then, uh, so I did this prompt as like, follow up to a story like, oh, breaking news, uh, pathologists are working in the lab to discover, you know, what happened to these, why did these watermelons cause this problem in Watermelonville? Um, and I had done a few with that, a farmer holding up a watermelon, uh, he looked very concerned. Then there was the, the laboratory one. Um, I posted one of a deer eating a watermelon and said to Doug, I don't know what the consequences of this are. So it was kind of this this back and forth on this incredibly illustrated story that, that he created. And, you know, he just knocked it out of the park right off the bat. That story, he got such consistency in style between all of his images in that story that it was just very impressive that that's what he like landed in Dolly with like, hello, Dolly. Ta -da! And I was like blown away. Um, so yep. it, it does seem like a very uh, obscure prompt, but I promise there it's part of a bigger story. And um, if, if anyone hasn't checked out Doug Bonneville yet, do it. <laughs> Absolutely. Shout out to Doug. Yeah. Doug is awesome. Um, he's great. And so this is good. So this is a good example of riffing off of other people, just that, you know, creative dance circle kind of idea. I, I love that aspect. Um, I love chiming in on stuff on Twitter. Like if something's viral, just generating it as a prompt and dropping it in. Um, and most people checking it out have no clue. This is AI generated, <laughs> right? Oh, and yeah. like, I get that when I share things with people that aren't on Twitter, if I like send them a prompt like wow where was this taken i'm like no no no. look at the lower right corner and i now 
anytime I see something on Twitter, I'm like always looking at that lower right corner. Um, so I'm like, where's that, that bar of rainbow squares? Is this real life? <laughs> yeah. 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 No. And I would love, I would love to just like respond to unrelated markets on Twitter with Dolly generations for like a whole week and just <laughs> participate. And they have no idea what's going That'd on. Right. Great, uh, great social experiment. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I like you're talking about, like I tweeted last month too, like my eyes naturally look to the bottom right of every photo and I'm sort of, so I've been trained in that way. And I'm also training myself in the contra indicator way because there's a subreddit called r slash not dolly too. shout out to that subreddit. And so these are images that look like they were generated by Dolly, like the prompt is perfect and they're not. And so I'm training my brain in both directions just to stay alert. Oh my alert. gosh, I need to, yeah, now I, it's I incredible. feel very, I feel, it's, um, I feel very vulnerable right now. Like I need to go educate myself. It's, it's chef's kiss. Uh, it is like so good. It's yeah. Uh, and it's real life is even shocking too. Like this is a real thing. This is not a Dolly generation, right? Or have you had conversations with friends that are someone that has access to Dolly and somebody says something weird and then you're both like, that's a Dolly yeah. prompt. Yes. That's yes. how the, that's how the, the pig with the humanoid face happened recently. Um, mm. was talking to sleepless doc, uh, because I know that he has some some farm animals, and I was just saying like, oh yeah, I'm fostering a pig, and uh, her her little face is so expressive, so cute. Like she's almost like this. I was trying to describe it. She's almost like a little person. And then we both just realized at the same time, like, oh my gosh, a pig with a humanoid face. And it was a very very creepy output. And I I feel like it should have come with an apology, but it it was also kind of funny. At least it looks like a friendly creepy pig. Yeah, yeah. The the inspiration is everywhere. Like social media is like a good hotbed of it. But in real life is always the best, I feel. Like I, I feel that in real life stuff is the best. Like uh yeah. it it's more meaningful. You're expressing yourself. Uh so many things so many things to enter. And so this is why like and I know I said we're done with pricing. This is why pricing is so <laughs> critical. It's true. It's okay. Well it's it's good to be passionate about things. Don't yeah. worry. Yeah. Like if, if people feel like they can just plug stuff in, we will discover and accelerate creativity more. If people are constantly like, Ooh, I don't know. I don't know. Am I, am I, I'm close to 50. You're going to have to go to somebody else. You know, like it's, That's yeah. Every yeah. Day. Yeah. And <laughs> one thing I, I think I'm going to advocate for my pricing video as well. Like I'm thinking like you should be allowed to tweak a prompt. Like I think they could measure it. Like if it's like 50% different, roughly it's free. It's just unique, original ones. I understand this, the cost doesn't change for them. But again, you're disincentivizing creativity at this point with pricing. And so it needs to be so particular and well thought out. I don't know how That's they're going to do it. Part, part of the reason I'm making know. this video is I'm just so curious what they'll even do. <laughs> I I don't uh, envy whoever, whichever team is responsible for that. Because I imagine yeah. it, you know, it will be a, a tough tough balance to strike between you know costs and and access for everyone um so yep. we shall see yes I, I am a little i think i think i'm nervous about it too now now that like I, I was a little nervous before but now i'm like all right maybe i am more nervous than i thought i would be it will it will impact the virality of it it will impact the kind of a similar thing happened with gpt3 like and so this is part of the reason it's so personal to me is like 
it's one thing to advocate to all your friends about a technology, but when they got to be on a wait list, <laughs> it's kind of like it makes you look bad as an advocate. And so with Dolly, if it has really good pricing, that makes sense that like, like it's just a lot easier to advocate for it. And we don't have that same situation we had in 2020 with GPT-3. And yeah. The... And, and truthfully, like, even though I was a, a beta user of GPT-3, when the paid model came out, I actually didn't, um, I didn't use it. I didn't sign up for the paid the paid portion of it because I was like, well, I'm not, yeah, this is great and I'm having fun with it, but I'm not really using it for anything at present to justify paying for it. Hmm. So I kind of disappeared from GPT-3 for a while, but I came back because now I really like having it write poems and then trying to get yeah. Dolly to illustrate it. And it's gotten a lot better. Like it's, it's yeah. incredible. Oh my gosh. It's, it's so different years. from 2020. Like, like we need to do like a fireside user beta chat about 2020 GPT-3, like what it was like. And in hindsight, maybe I was a little bit too bullish on it. Just a little bit. Like everyone else would be like, I don't get it. <laughs> but I'd be like, oh, no, man. it's amazing. You have no idea. Yeah. Like, having, and, you know, having stepped away from it for a couple of years and then coming yeah. back to it, I was literally yeah. like. It's unbelievable. Yeah. I yeah. was like, when did yeah. this happen? Yeah, I because a part of it is because of Instruct GPT. Like I was saying on the last podcast, like I was like, Instruct GPT is so good. They should reset everybody's credits. Anybody who's like trial, they burned through eighteen or eighteen dollars or three months, they should get to retry it for free yeah. because they will become a user and a customer. Um, yeah, it's but, great now. It's incredible. Yeah, pricing pricing is this really interesting topic. Like there's people who study it and do pricing professionally. Like you can hire a pricing expert. Um, and it's very like psychological as well as uh, functional and utilitarian, uh, which is why like I, I've I've also found it just so fascinating as a topic. So, oh my gosh, yeah, I, yeah. I need to learn more about this because it's you know, I'm sure this is a, a a need that other companies have, and it makes sense that they would have somebody that is you know specifically for this role. But I would be really curious to see like you know, what are the determinants, obviously, other than covering your expenses for pricing, because it is true in, in some cases, um, I know I've heard this reported for some apps that like, if someone pays even a small price for something, they're going to hmm. likely use it a little bit more because they're like, oh, you know, well, I paid for it. So I want to, you know, get my money's worth versus free where they might be like, eh. but of course, if it's too expensive, they're not even gonna get it in the first place. So finding that, yes, that balance. And there's all these case studies too. Like if you try to increase your price later, people get really mad, especially at the consumer level, right? Oh, yeah. So you don't want to be like Netflix. So OpenAI has to be careful. <laughs> I was just going to say that. Uh, Not and to then, call anyone out, but don't be like Netflix. Then on the other hand, um, there's like, uh, there's just, there's like so many, so many more. Like, so my, so one thing that I'm like, this would be crazy if OpenAI could do it. It would cost them so much. I think if you gave new users two weeks unlimited access to Dolly, you will have a user for life. Like yeah, I wouldn't I be surprised so if their data shows that. And I think somebody who's used it for two weeks, because part of it is they, they could develop an intuition for the model. It's not just using it. It's intuition, finding your interests, finding use cases, incorporating it into your daily life. And then, then you can deal with a more tamed version of like 50 a day sort of. 
right? Yeah, kind of like uh, finding your style first. Because, you know, when you first get access, you test, you kind of like test the edges of it, test the limitations. You're still finding out like what you're going to use it for, like, or, you know, the, the, unless you're just like a ding dong, like I am and feel like waiting for hours for different levels of inpainting. But yep. <laughs> I'm assuming most people aren't that neurotic. Um, so, yeah. Uh, I think that I think that's a really great idea. I think that's a wonderful idea that like, you know, welcome, here's your two weeks unlimited. After that it's it's X amount per, you know, whatever they decide, generation. Here's two weeks. You are indoctrined into the product and cult of Dolly Two. Welcome. You are having crazy dreams as a result of Dolly Two. You're telling all your friends about Dolly Two. Right? You're thinking like thinking of like prompts in your head, you're like, oh, Oh, that's a prompt. I got to remember that. Sending yeah. yourself email, sending yourself emails in public, like with a prompt that you just thought of. Yes. You're thinking about the future of creativity and you find out I made a whole series about it last summer, <laughs> right? All the typical sides of a Dolly <laughs> 2 user. But anyway, so going back, you, so you mentioned in painting. Um, so tell, like, I, I would love to just hear from you. And I, I sort of asked you in the Twitter space event too, uh, like for me, whenever I use in painting, regardless of brush size, regardless of my prompt, like 80% of the time I get back the same image. Uh, so how is it that you're even able to spend seven hours in Dolly 2 editing and painting? Because a lot of times I get back the same image. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's true. I I just uh, I just kind of gave like mini in painting lessons to Sleepless Doc because he's like, honestly, I haven't been using it that much because I'm just not super patient with it. And I was like, I used the pig face as an example. So I was like, all right, listen, here's what you're going to do. Like it didn't give us the eyes that we wanted. So I would select the eyes and ask for different eyes and then maybe it didn't blend them so well. So I would go back and re-describe the whole prompt with the change to the eyes. And then he's like, Oh, it clicked. He's like, now, now I understand like, this is what you do. And then he did a prompt with that kind of tweak to how he was doing in painting. And he's like, this makes so much more sense now. And then he was like, Oh my God, 50 is not enough. And I was like, right. Um, so, but the, you know, the seven hours ones were when I was kind of using it like a, a blank canvas almost, or I would ask for, you know, for crabbit, I didn't think that it would understand like a crab rabbit. So I asked for a Victorian painting of a, a white fluffy rabbit. And I, I got that to where I wanted it. And then I had to remove his arms and add the crab arms. And then I, I got in this, like, I got stuck in a loop of, of crab arms, which is a very strange thing to loop on. I was like, no, these are not the crab arms that I want. Um, and then for the finishing touch, I was like, I really think he needs a carrot or two. And it just would not give me carrots. So I, you know, if you throw enough manure at a barn door, some of it sticks. Um, so that's why gone are the days of, of seven hours with it. Even now, so say I'm doing something, well, excuse me, before the 50 generation limit, um, if I was doing something like a statue series, that's probably maybe like 50 to 75 to 100 generations per statue image because I want to get the facial expression just right. I want the textures to match maybe... I want another statue in there. Maybe I want some different objects in there. Maybe I want to adjust something. Um, they really go fast. I know a lot of people that are like, oh, yeah, I, I don't think I would go through that many. And I'm like, I get to do like one dolly a day now, <laughs> sometimes one every two days. 
Yeah. So. I get what you're saying. But sort of what I'm taking away, so to sort of maybe interpret some, some, of, some of your process for in painting. So it seems like you put a, a decent amount of emphasis on the original prompt, like maybe 70, 80%. Once you're happy with that prompt, then you try to zero in on what you're adding into the image. And this is a good way you're putting it. You get caught in this loop where it's like trying to repeat the same image back to you. <laughs> And it does. And I mean, I'm sure you've seen it. You've seen yes. it do this yes. or worse when it's, you know, when it starts going the direction you wanted it and then it throws something completely, you know, yes. it'll take like a very specific part of your prompt and put it exactly there. And you're like, yeah, that's not what but, I wanted. But I like how you put it because it's, it's very insightful to existing Dolly 2 users that the expectation is you will be in this loop and you just mm -hmm. got to see it as like, how do I break out of this loop? How do I work with it? How do I get it? And again, you have control over your brush. You have control over the text, the edit prompt. And between those two things, you have to figure out how do I get out of this loop? And then the remaining whatever percentage, 10, 20% you're describing is then just additional touches. What else could really add to that image? And one thing that I found that that helps is that if it's really not, you're not getting anywhere, like you, you've done the prompts and the in paints and you're literally getting almost the same image over and over and over again i will pick the one that is different even if it's only just the slightest any image that comes back even slightly in the direction i wanted to head head in for example i was doing an um, a donkey with octopus legs and it was just really having a terrible time with that yeah. so when i finally started getting like one really totally obscure tentacle that did not look at all like the donkey then I started, I chose that image and then I kept doing in painting with that. And next thing you know, you're getting tentacles that match the original donkey and they're starting to look more like tentacles. And now look, there's eight of them like an octopus. And then you put your finishing touches in with like bubbles or a fish swimming by. So it's kind of like, um, I feel like it's a game of like Marco Polo where mm. uh, like it gets closer and you're like, Marco polo and like you know, mm. i'm almost there not quite nope you just went farther away reel it back in um but it, it mm. does it becomes this kind of push-pull game got it got it and so sometimes the stuff that it adds is also like a different art style sometimes or like <laughs> yeah. so what what do you do in that case so in that case um this happens a lot when if you're specifically if you're like doing a painting style um and it'll just insert something that's totally not the right color. Maybe it looks like a photograph when it shouldn't or vice versa. Um, so I will usually back up to before that artifact appeared and just start there. Or if it's like, I, it's kind of what I wanted, but it doesn't look right. I will focus on that, but get very specific. So say like I, I ran into this when I was doing the, the prompt for the poem about the passive aggressive coworker that was quitting their job. Um, mm. And it was a, a neoclass, a, a neoclassism painting of, uh, I think it was coworkers disagreeing or something. And it, none of the three figures had, had similar enough styled faces. So I selected all three of their faces and then just took that down to neoclassism painting of person's face. And it was getting me closer and then the last guy's face was just way off, so had to take his whole face away again, um, and then choose a smaller in-painting size. So I've actually found that 
if you pick the smallest size, it, and it really doesn't know what you're asking, if you pick the smallest size and start there, you have a better chance of at least starting to get what you want. And that's why early mm. on I had requested like a smaller in painting tool because of that. Yes. Yeah, the original brush was like massive, massive. <laughs> Hello. Yeah, it was not yeah. helpful. I mean, yeah. it was maybe actually now that I think about it, my my in painting probably takes a lot less longer than ours because we have like the smallest brush. Smaller brushes. Yeah. You know, it's really interesting, like if, if brush is even the right iconography uh, or the right symbol in a way, like and Selector. because I don't know what to call it. Yeah, because sometimes it ignores whatever you brushed anyways, and you're cool with it. Like, you don't need <laughs> yeah. exactness. You just need it to understand. And It's me, a suggester, me, a suggestion circle. And me personally, like, I'm, I think, I think my first in my impressions video, like, I just said, like, Dolly should just be text. Like, I don't, I don't, I try to not grab a brush if I don't have to. Like, it's like one yeah. of those things. But uh, anyways, in painting is version one. It's really exciting. And I appreciate you sharing this tip about start small, I... pay attention to your overall direction. Try to try to play this Marco Polo game. And welcome back. We had another interruption, but you know what? We took advantage of it. We took a break. I'm back. Lapine is back. Uh, we are recording probably the best podcast of multimodal. It's happening now. Great work, Lupe. Really appreciate you being on. Thank you again. Thank you yeah. for having me here. This is fantastic. Yes. And I hope, you know, when we stitch everything together, it'll make sense to everyone where you left off, where your train of thought is. So we're going to we're gonna do a hard pivot now. Um, so you've shared a lot of cool, uh, not just art, you know, stories behind the art. Like, as you were talking, I came up with this idea, like, I should have another podcast called Behind the Prompt. Because there's like all these just amazing stories behind all these prompts and dolly art that we take for granted. But anyway, so what do you what do you think makes a good dolly prompt? Oh, this is this is important, and I'm glad you asked this. Um, and I've you know this is something that came up in the Twitter space, but this is something that I figured out pretty early on, as I think most users do, is that. Um, be very, very descriptive, almost as if you're writing alt text for, um, you know, assistive screen readers or, or technology that, that is intended for visually impaired people. Um, so that's kind of where it turns into an art. Like it's part, almost like part poetry. Um, you're, you know, and this is where I think it's like a valuable learning tool is you're going to use your words differently because very rarely when we're in conversation with somebody, um, do we describe things like that? Like, I'm not going to be like, Hey, did you see this, um, linen, highly textured pillow with a Southwest desert aesthetic of two flute players and a cactus under a spiky orange sun. Like, I'm not going to talk to you like that. You'd be like, what is actually wrong with you? But that's how you're talking to, to Dolly. Um, so it's kind of got, in that sense, this poetic component to it. And the more you can use your words to describe what you want, the better. And a, a good exercise um, is something that I kind of stumbled upon. Um, I think it was Isaac Sench who had done a Reddit uh, 
several months ago where it was like dolly users recreate this photo and it was somebody holding the mason jar the glass jar up against the sky <laughs> and i was like oh this is a really good exercise and people were getting very close and it all if you looked at the people that were they're getting close to it it was poetry it was like a silhouette of a human hand uh perspective night photography of a glass jar with a nebulous galaxy rising from it um and that's that's a great exercise take take anything around you and describe it to dolly and see what you get and refine that until you get what you want yeah no i i absolutely agree um and i remember danielle in our twitter spaces talk she had a great point about try to imagine the alt text try to imagine yes. Like that's what Dolly was trained on. And so if you don't know what alt text is, it's basically if you ever put your mouse over an image on the browser, it'll have this yellow box that comes up that just describes what's in the image, perhaps for people with accessibility concerns, maybe visual impairment. And so that's the kind of image captioning pairs which Dolly was trained on. So you kind of want to get in that kind of mindset, uh, basically. Uh, what? How would you describe the image that you want? Um, and I appreciate the tips you're sharing. But what do you think is the essence of a great Dolly prompt? Like, like that, that resonates with the audience. Like what, like what is it about certain prompts that just do better than others? Something that no one has seen before. Mm -hmm. um, something obscure, something seemingly impossible, something absurd, absurd. Of course, things that are, you know, comical become popular too. Um, mm. But really just kind of, I mean, we all have that place in our mind. And I, I think we do lose this a little bit as we get older. But imagine your much younger self, how, you know, you would just look at the world with so much imagination and you almost like develop these little like uh, mental maps in your mind of maybe your neighborhood and like, you know, you would go there with your friends and be like, well, this is where we think there's treasure buried. And like that level <laughs> of kind of... Um, imaginative kind of make-believe just put that in dolly so obscure things or even if you don't really consider yourself um kind of an abstract thinker or an obscure thinker take a nap or go to sleep and let your brain do it for you when we dream we cobble together all these pieces from our day something we heard on the news maybe a movie we watch past events current events so wake up and write it down Keep a, keep a dream diary and use that for your prompts if you want to get something that's that's way wild and out there. Uh, I think that, yeah, harness your harness your obscure, wonderful weirdness or create a dream journal or both. Those, those are great pointers. I 100% agree. Um, I would add like, like so you, you, you mentioned like, you know, going for certain emotional reactions, right? So that's, that's, an, that's one way. Another thing I'm thinking is kind of just know your audience. Like I, I think maybe Twitter is a little bit different than r slash Dolly too, right? You may want to take a look at uh, what 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 does the audience revolve around, or what hasn't the audience seen before, uh, if if that's who you're going for. And um, I would also just say too, like I've noticed the further I get away from everybody else, like what everybody else is creating with Dolly or what kinds of art already exists, the more independent I am, the more I land on things we haven't seen before. So mm -hmm. like there's, there's something about Dolly where it, it sort of concentrates your brilliance to 
your creativity and imagination and your prompt. Like there's something about it where that's where the genius is happening. And so like the more independent you are, like I just find it's, it reflects in what comes out and it you will, shows. you will land on things nobody has ever seen before. And the audience, I think the audience is not only drawn to novelty and curiosity, but like, I think they also are also looking for something genuine and authentic from a real personal independent place, like where you're really at or what really interests you. So this is sort of like, like how this is another way of saying even what you're describing, which is like personal weirdness. I I love it. it. Indulge yourself, indulge yourself. And you know, so I have like two, two points here and one that I want to touch on before I forget, you know, how we were talking about nostalgia earlier, that Hmm. is a great starting point. If you're, you know, feeling stuck in a creativity rut or, you know, you want to create something different. Like everyone gets nostalgic. It's a thing. Um, So maybe, you know, for your something that you remember from childhood. So for example, I did a 3D render of a steampunk Furby and a lot of people were like, oh my gosh, I forgot about those. Like those are things that, that resonate with people like, oh my goodness. Yes. Remember those tamagotchis and furbies and oh my gosh a lisa frank painting of a cactus garden i haven't thought about that she made these crazy colored notebooks that like i think i was obsessed with when i was in third grade so like eight years old so like revisit some of those things revisit Mm. things because you know when we're younger we really pay attention we really remember those things well like the textures and the colors and how something felt or sounded or smelled so call back some of that and make some make some nostalgia with your own your own twist to it. Um, so yeah, that that's an important one for, for prompt creation. And then just again, like echoing what you said, you know, harness that weirdness and something you're going to find as you use Dolly, as you get more comfortable kind of putting those more obscure prompts out there, because it does feel a little bit vulnerable to share your prompt. I know some people mm-hmm. share their, their images and just give it a title or they don't, you know, don't give it any text at all. But I always mm-hmm. share my prompts because I want people to see part of the process. And the more you do that, you'll actually feel like you're more comfortable expressing yourself because you're like, you know, this is how I got that image. Here's, here's what I wrote. And somebody might be like, Oh my gosh, that's really dark. Or, Oh, that's really abstracted out there. And you're like, yeah, I did that. So I that. You, like embrace your, embrace your, your you know, embrace your yes. process and your thoughts and like own it, own it. It's yours. Yeah. And it's interesting how things are panning, right? Like people are, I think they, at some level they do compare what was the text and the image that came out. Like they want to know both. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, like I, everything I do, I try to just be a resource and every Dolly generation is unique. So it, you know, it, it doesn't, I'm cool if I'm, I'm so cool with other people adding to my prompts or running it themselves or building on it. Like I'd, I'd rather be a part of the culture than exclusively, (laughs) isolated yeah, to god knows what I, um, right i that's one thing i love about it and i think that's true to the spirit of open source uh is like hey i did this thing and you should iterate on it try this thing and, and mm. see how it goes and um you know it's kind of creating this uh, it's kind of a almost like an interactive art and there's kind of a community forming around it because you can take an idea that someone had like for example when i was replying to to Doug Bonneville's water, watermelonville story, 
I was like, oh, this is fun. Let's let's play. And like sometimes August would reply to one of mine with like, oh, yes, I saw this one, too. And it's just these like very uh, playful, you know, interactions that you don't really get a lot of that nowadays. So it's a know. I feel like I've like become encased in this this little AI art bubble. And I love it. And all of the people that I have met on this journey as well. It's great. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's awesome. Um, I've, I've advocated for more lax controls, like instead of opening, I owns everything. Like I've wanted to put my stuff even in public domain. And part of the reason is like, culturally, it'd be really cool if the culture was collaborative from day one, where people are building, we're not caught up in copy and stuff. I'd sort of tweeted it to open AI, like I'm cool being the guinea pig here. Let me public domain my stuff and like make it there. And they never got back to me. So I don't know what the plan oh, no. is. Like there might be some other like and maybe, maybe there's some pricing piece as well right like yeah, it's kind of like always the pricing piece. pricing or something uh, or maybe it's just they, they, they probably have something in the works and anyways so um two other pointers like there's that classic peter teal question like it's something like what what great uh truth do you know that nobody else believes in that's important like it's like something like that right um <laughs> I think this, like, it kind of relates to Dolly 2 prompts. Like, what great prompt, what great important prompt has no one entered before? Right? Like, I, I think I would look at it that way. And the other thing that I do is I do actively try to onboard or at least show people Dolly who've never used it. And I love paying attention to what new users of Dolly are making. Like, I've tweeted several times for months that if you get access to Dolly, you are absolutely welcome to tweet me and tag me on Twitter with your very first post or two, I would love to check it out because I love seeing new users' creativity and it helps me keep my mind fresh on how people are looking at it. Um, It's a very... Yeah, that (laughs) experience of sharing and expanding the community. Very important. you feel their perspective. You feel like, I would have never thought of that, but it's genius they thought of this. Every every Dolly generation can be further explored, basically. Like, they can go in infinite directions, and new users just have such a fresh perspective, and they don't just quite live in this world as much as we do, that they are an amazing source for great ideas, great concepts, and of course, with Dolly, there's some quality standard there. So whatever they're making is also good. Like, it's not just fresh and unique and original. It's it's good. And uh, I think this goes for, like, many areas in life or many professions or anything. Like, it's, you know, we, te- as humans, generally, we tend to kind of get stuck sometimes. I mean, writers talk about writer's block, pagers get stuck in, like, fonks. Like, sometimes you get stuck on the same style for too long and having somebody else come in, kind of break that up a little bit and like, oh, a new perspective. And, and it's not just in the art world, like like anything, like you, if you work at a company, like hiring somebody out of out of college or out of school that, that's like, oh, like they, they're taught something different than you were taught in school and they have different experiences. And it's just really valuable to kind of like the, the collective of, of being a human. <laughs> Yeah. And learning, learning, everybody, everybody is your peer. Everybody's a teacher. Like, you know, like you have inspiration can come from everywhere, regardless of skill level or anything like that. So that's just one other, one other tip that I had. And so how much would you say your prompts are premeditated versus on the fly? Uh, how do you come up with your prompts? Uh, you mentioned like a lot of it is based on real life inspiration. 
Yes. Um, so it's, you know, I did touch on this in uh, one of the Twitter spaces. So I had from a very young age, I loved to draw. I did take formal art classes when I was younger. Um, I drew a lot and painted a lot in high school and, and early college. And then unfortunately I had to have uh, brain surgery at the age of 22 and oh, wow. it really changed um, a number of things. So not only, you know, did it uh, change like my ability to hold a brush for quite a long time. Um, I had a lot of problems with visual tracking before and after the surgery, like my eyes were not moving together correctly. Uh, I feel like they still don't some days, but that's cool. Um, so wow. I literally started to see my world differently. And that was mm -hmm. probably the most alarming thing to me. Um, in that I, I remember that frightened me very early on. I thought like, what is wrong with me? Like, why do I feel like Alice in Wonderland? I feel like I'm too tall and I'm, I'm four foot 10. I'm obviously not too tall. I'm a very small human being. Mm. Um, and I would suddenly feel too tall or too short or things would look far away and they weren't. And then as I got closer to my surgery, um, I was seeing like zigzag lines or a grid over everything. It was really affecting my visual center and my visual processing abilities. And that kind of changed everything for me because that's when I started thinking like, oh my gosh, like the way we move through the world physically is actually quite subjective. Like my experience is going to be very different from yours and somebody else's, even if there's nothing like technically wrong. Um, and then I kind of like get lost in this thought, like how do animals see the world? Like how do they, oh my gosh. And it, it kind of like can give you like a little bit of anxiety if you, if you think about it, that we all might exist in like the same physical space, but consciously we're kind of, operating different. So as that relates to prompts, I do think back on some of the times where I was alarmed by something looking different. And, um, but now I look back on that and I understand, like, now that I understand neuroscience and the brain more like, okay, this is what was happening. And I can play with that a little bit in Dolly. Maybe I give something a very strange lighting or just, you know, make it look different or a, you look at it and you feel like a little bit weird and a little bit uncomfortable. And I'm kind of recreating like what I was going through pre-brain uh, pre surgery and post-brain surgery. Um, yeah. And, you know, it really changed. It really changed my art style after my brain surgery because I was going through vestibular rehabilitation, trying to get my eyes to work together again, um, working on those fine motor skills of so holding the brush and uh, for a while, that's why I took up welding because I was actually helping prep metal pieces, which was loud and you could bang stuff around. It was very tactile. Uh, mm. If you screwed something up, that's okay. Just get the, just get the angle grinder and clean it up. Um, mm. And then as my fine motor skills improved, I was like, all right, I'm ready to like start, start welding. And um, mm. yeah, so those experiences and you know i did i did a prompt about having a migraine headache um because i i do still get headaches sometimes uh that that started you know around my surgery and a lot of people commented on that and i did not expect it to be so popular because i think it's something people experience a lot and it's a sure. a drawing of a woman with like the lightning bolts going down um mm. and people are like this is exactly what it's what it's like so mm. a lot of my prompts come from from those experiences and mm. One of the other things that happened since the surgery because of the part of the brain that was operated on 
my dreams changed. I spend a little bit too much time in REM stage sleep. So I'm a very active dreamer. Unfortunately, sometimes I'm an excellent sleepwalker and sleep eater. Um, wow. Yeah, it's wow. pretty wild. Yeah, like like turn the heat on in the summer and wake up with like cookie crumbs on my pillow. Um, that, yeah. that doesn't happen as much as it used to, but every night I'm a very vivid dreamer. So there are a lot of those in my dollies. The tooth chair, that was a dream. The tooth chair was a dream. Hmm. Um, and I will wake up. And that's why I say to people, like, keep the dream journal because, you know, there's a lot happening up there. Um, but I wake up and I'm just like, oh, okay, wait. The, sometimes I'll just grab my phone and start the prompt. And then after work, I'll come back to it on my laptop. So hmm. the inspiration's like, already inside a lot of us. Just pull it out. <laughs> so some yeah. experience that someone had that maybe was – difficult or frightening to them, made them see something differently, revisit it from a creative perspective. And then this, this again, gets back into like the concept of where I think Dolly could be, you know, useful in kind of art therapies. Um, let people create that experience in, in images that they kind of, you know, they would see differently. It's an expression of what they've been through. I think it would be beneficial for them. And then they're sharing that, that piece of them with, with the world. Yeah, and like loosely some kind of memeability, like how universal, like yeah. like the confused grizzly bear. Like I, I learned like just if you can nail some experience that other people relate to that makes them go yes, that this. is one of that's a very yes. relatable one. Yes. Like um, yeah. things that especially those prompts that convey emotion or frustration, like that grizzly yeah. bear, just like ah, I love that one. Yeah. Very relatable. Um, an example of like. You know, the, the statue's stuck in traffic where they're just like, mm. like, we've all been there. So it goes back to that kind of, um, you know, our, our collective experiences. Yes. And like, I, by the way, I appreciate you sharing uh, this incredible life story. I, I, I did not know that. This is why we tune in to Multimodal. We got the exclusive here. <laughs> this is incredible. It's like Thank Beethoven. You. It's like, it's like Beethoven or something. Dun, 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 dun. Like, yeah yeah um no no it's it's quite admirable and i think it's you know a lot of things are clicking in my head now like based on yeah. what you've made and stuff like it's making and, a lot more sense and this kind of goes back to the the feel question that you said so if i had to say like you know it wouldn't be a prompt that that somebody hasn't done but maybe like a perspective on something is that like if you've been through like everybody always says like you know don't let this bad thing or that bad thing define you. I think that's really shitty or excuse me, not good to say to somebody. It's unrealistic. It becomes a part of who we are. Um, I'd say that like, if you've been through a tough experience or you know that you just move through the world in a different way, you know, harness that, that experience, draw something from it that can be used creatively. And then your brain will view it, your brain will categorize it as something different. Like, oh yeah, this thing happened to me and I do remember it was difficult, but now because this happened to me, you know, I have this perspective or I have, you know, I ended up on this path because of that, um, or I met this person because of that. So, and that's another important thing that I, that I truly believe is that we are a we're kind of, uh, each of us individually are kind of like a little piece of everyone we have ever met, even if we didn't know them that well, like hmm. we pick up little pieces of those of us along the way. Um, hmm. and that shapes us too. 
So there's Absolutely. my there's my like super deep like super. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna clip. It. We're gonna clip it. We can call it here. We we got we got the clip. Um, I would add. So I hundred percent agree with that. Like I would just add one tiny piece on top of it, which I think Dolly is about reaching higher. I think yeah. multimodal AI is about this, but what else? What what? How can we like? So it's not me in a classroom confused about calculus it's a grizzly bear like i think you want to like take it and then try to do a little bit more and try to obviously keep it authentic try to keep it with all things considered but like the greatest prompts and dolly generations i've seen just do a little bit more or they have some kind of twist on top of the emotion and the relatable experience to it that also adds to that reaction adds to the underlying theme like there's there's just a little bit higher that you can do with Dolly. And that's, that's also what makes what makes it so great. Um, it is. Yeah. You're, it's again, it's it gives you that freedom to do that, to make that mm. confused grizzly bear in calculus, like to yeah. make the egg with an eyeball staring at you. Like it gives yeah. you that freedom. Did sure. you have a dream about a tooth chair? Show it to people. Yes. Okay. Now we know where that one came from. This oh well. yeah, so, <laughs> I feel yeah. like I I need to um kind of indicate when I'm when I'm sharing something that was a dream. Like I need to put like a little emoji next to it so that yeah. those who know those that listen to this podcast will know. Like, all right, if she posted this hmm. prompt and there's like a I don't know like the Z Z Z emoji, then yes. we know. Oh, she, she dreamt this, and then then everyone will be like, oh, okay, this was strange. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, you you need to like open source your dream journals if you're comfortable. <laughs> oh my god! Because it's like a it's like a Dolly gold mine. I feel like it's a I gold mine. Selling them to Quentin Tarantino most days, but you know, <laughs> turn those into That's Dolly. Awesome. Sure. So I so I so there was kind of uh, a specific kind of angle to this question, and I wanna I wanna ask it again. Everything you've said has been awesome. So thank you. It's based on feedback that I get from people is like especially people who are not creative, not artistic. I'll I'll throw this out there, maybe more on the technical end. Like when they see us just riffing a prompt on the fly, like sort of like how your roommate and you were just able to come up. I can't remember which animal it was like animal who's drunk on a moped. Drunk turkey on a moped. Yeah. Yeah. The turkey's an amazing choice of animal, by the way. Let me add that (laughs) as well for that particular prompt. Like people look at that and they just wonder where does that come from? How can you just, you know, mishmash these kinds of elements. Do you know, like, you know, is I'm assuming that's on the fly, right? Like it's like jazz, like it's not premeditated. So, yeah. so uh, how does that happen? My roommate how, how, actually ex- explained this to me a little bit. Um, and he's just like, I don't know how you, he's like, how do you just yeah. come up with this stuff? And I'm like, I don't yeah. know. It's, sometimes it's just there. And hmm. he firmly believes too, that it's like the part of the brain that processes the visual input. And then it goes, you know, you get the amygdala going, you're drawing on some memories. Um, hippocampus is in there as well. So he has this like very technical high level explanation for like almost every obscure thought I could possibly come up with, which is great. Um, I wish I could, I wish I could explain it to you, but where Mm. I see like a technical application of this is like, um, maybe in some kind of, you know, 
it, it's a difficult topic sometimes, but like child, when children are going through an interview with a psychiatrist or psychologist, maybe the child's having some behavioral problems or there's suspect of problems in the house with domestic issues, you can give child access to the stall and say like, you know, now they, they give them like crayons and say, draw me a picture of this and that. Well, it's 2022. We shouldn't have to just give kids crayons anymore. We could give mm. them something like Dolly and, you know, they might, you know, they might make a picture about your family, which is usually something they would do. And the children will be able to use it to show you maybe an image that indicates some problems at home. Um, so again, I think it's like a, it has a tool clinically in some cases, certainly, or your stroke patient or your dementia patient that is having some problems with their memory well, maybe you're not asking about the memory directly, but maybe you give them something like Jolly and they're recreating photos from actual memories that they have. And this is something that's that's well known. And I saw with my own grandma that her memory really started to decline. And you could give her a piece of chalk and a paper and say, We're, draw a duck. It's Easter. And she would draw this incredible duck. And we had never seen her draw anything in her life. So different parts of her brain were working. Um mm-hmm. So I do think, you know, maybe not so much the answer specifically the, the technical side of it, but yep. in terms of applications, I think that there are clinical applications of this, mm-hmm. which is not something I've heard anybody touch on yet. Yeah, yeah, no, I, it's very interesting area. And like, I'm excited for more people to get access, like formal researchers to try out this stuff. Like, if you're a researcher looking for an interesting topic, study how Dolly impacts people's dreams. And like, oh my gosh, yes, if you yes. if you need if you need a patient to go in that MRI machine, you got two thumbs right here. <laughs> I'll do it. And like, it's just an interesting area. We might learn a lot. Um, I'd say like just going back to my question, like I think that kind of on the fly, this and this and this, you know, like um, I think you can learn it. Um, I think it takes practice and I think, I think it comes from a few places. Like, I think you want to not take yourself so seriously. You want to be unfiltered. You want to have fun. limits on yourself. Yeah. And try to like visualize it as you go along and then try to see like what would be interesting. What else could happen? Right. Like, um, Google HomePod speaker. Let's start there. Okay. Google HomePod speaker. I want to twist it up a bit inside a children's daycare. So like again, like <laughs> that's run is... by the DMV. Yes. Boom. That's <laughs> or something. Whatever, whatever the equivalent of Department of Motor Vehicles is for you. I don't know if this is as much of a nightmare as it is here. Yeah. Oh it, yeah. Okay, now you know we're and, gonna have to we're gonna have to make this prompt later. Yes. You know that, right? Absolutely. Yes. And there's a chandelier hanging from the top with a monkey swinging from it. I don't know. Right? Yeah, so like or yeah, the but the chandelier is definitely made from not normal chandelier material like um it's a very special chandelier um it's not very practical it's actually yes. made it's actually a bush that someone dug up out of the garden so it's a, a sage a sagebrush amazing. chandelier amazing there might and be so, scorpions in it and so here here you have there you have it right so this is a case study how do you get that on the fly kind of prompt? We're just having fun with it. We're and actually now I'm appreciate it. it's a lot easier with two people. It is. <laughs> like we, it's really we, wild. We, and yeah, have, I wish like a, I think we should do like a social hours where yeah. it, it could be kind of like a fun experiment where artists yeah. team up with each other and you just go back and forth. Like uh, you know how in movies they have like the gag reel where they just throw their lines and they, they yep. ad lib them? 
Ooh, let's see what happens. And you just like yeah. put them together. Um, it's all yeah. these kind of like you just grab loose associations and put them together. Yeah, and we're having fun. We're visualizing it along the way. And I think part of it, like if I'm just analyzing now, we're adding in details and like maybe zeroing in on those details that could maybe add some underlying story to the scene. Like there's maybe it's a daycare, but it's got a chandelier, you know, like it's, it's like these <laughs> kinds of, that's made from like landscaping yes. stuff, which is like kind of different. The, it's going to end up like real esoteric. Like I'm picturing yes. these, these children are going to kind of end up being like, um, maybe like mystical, like forest creatures, almost like elfin because the chandeliers <laughs> of bush and yes. it could just, just and go like way out there. Yeah. It's also like chandeliers high bushes on the ground and you've yeah. sort of like broken. So I think like we're having fun. We're unfiltered. There's no right or wrong answers for anybody. I think in, in like the technological mindset is there's like definitive answers to things. There's no right or wrong answers. And the cool thing with dollies, we can just try it. Like there's no real downside. Imagine doing this in real life with painting. Then I'd understand you want to put a lot of thought into it, but yeah, like, it's like so and, much commitment. and we're also trying to like, maybe like do the opposite of what, what is expected. Right. And so you want to maybe have some fun with those twists. Now yeah. there's no right or wrong way to do a dolly prompt. This is just more in that on the fly style. Like if you're listening and you're wondering how do these people come up with that other than lots of spare time, this is how we're doing it. Like you just witness it on the spot and there's other styles I'd say of prompts too, which like everyone, anyone can do, right? Like you can just be curious and wonder how does Dolly react with certain kinds of light and shadows? Like Lapine was talking about with the straw light reflect, reflect, refracting. Like that's another example. Uh, another one is just like you try to create a really unique detailed photo and you have the best modifiers. It's very you know, specific kind of lens, right? Like, there, there's lots of ways to do it, but don't let this on the fly style intimidate you. And you also just don't have to be like that, right? Yeah, like you don't, you don't have to be like that. So you, you brought up a really good point too. Um, when you mentioned the, the lens, so I don't have any photography experience. So when I was wanting to post some of the photorealistic posts of or pictures of, you know, the piglets or the, the hummingbirds, I actually went down a little Google rabbit hole looking at like, what are the best lenses for outdoor photography, studio photography. So it's, it's also an educational tool. And, you yeah. know, in, t in terms of painting, like I found myself looking up, like, who are the neoclassism painters? Who is a famous Victorian mm -hmm. painter? What about sculptors? So hmm. there's an opportunity there where if you see people doing all these things and you're like, well, I don't really know those things. Just, just Google, do a quick Google search for like, um, styles of painting or best lens for macro or club close photography. Like there's, there's a huge opportunity for learning. Um, yep. and it'll give you like ideas too. S soak up stuff when you're yeah, on the bus, when you're on the bus train, whatever, listen to what people are talking about. Use your eyes. Uncomfortably. Just kidding. Use your that. eyes. Like when you're out and about, notice visual details. I want to add to Lapine's awesome point. Like I mentioned in the past, like maybe study art history and architecture and photography. I would even add GPT-3 is an incredible tool to help you explore this world. <laughs> yeah. Have it, ask it to write you a poem. Um, you can actually ask it for uh, a sonnet or a rhyming one. I've even had it give me pretty decent limericks and haikus. Um, mm -hmm. 
and make it ridiculous if you want or make it serious and then literally copy and paste part of that into dolly and then throw an apostrophe or comment at the end and say you know detailed digital art or detailed um you know artist michelangelo painting or mm. michelangelo sculpture so yeah. there's an idea for you or you know i had somebody early on that came to me and said can you uh, illustrate uh, a poem. And I said, sure, which one? And he chose Daffodils, um, which is William Wadsworth, Lord Earth, I should know this. Um, mm -hmm. And I, ju I just picked the, uh, I picked the line that was like, uh, along the lake beneath the trees, 10,000 dancing in the breeze. And I put comma Daffodils, uh, impressionistic painting. And it gave this beautiful, like, daffodils growing along a stream in a forest um so yeah, open you know or go online and look for some poetry mm. um yeah or if you if you already have art that you like i think we overlook a lot the upload image feature and ask for a variation and then change yes. it around with some prompts like that's a yes. great great way to try a style that you wouldn't normally yeah and specifically with gpt3 like uh there's this process that i call unbundling so if you want to use Picasso style, but want it to be more implicit with Dolly, like you don't want it to be so much like Picasso, uh, I found you can go to GPT-3 and say, how would you describe Picasso's style? I haven't and, tried that, but now yeah, I'm going to. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah. And so then you have that description and you can put that into Dolly and it will give you something slightly even different from Picasso, but still in that style. Uh, I would also add, like, for a lot of people, like, Probably the best is like honestly going to the library even and reading art history books and like, uh, but even then like I think GPT three can help you navigate that art history world. Like you can oh, ask yeah. like what, uh, what's a what's an outrageous art style? You know what was how would you characterize art in the nineteen sixties? Um, yeah. Like and you get because it has like all this knowledge. Hopefully, most of it is true and accurate. And then you can. <laughs> I always fact check. Fact always fact check. check. Always fact check. Disclaimer: fact check. But from there, you can save yourself a lot of Google searches as well. And yeah. like, by the way, like all these topics are bigger and they're crafts. Like, like for example, photography. We like, oh, there's a lens. Oh, different kinds of lighting. There's such a thing as fashion <laughs> photography. So and like you could spend months on Dolly to fashion photography and understand the nuances, who are the key players, who are the best, what what makes them distinct. And you're just like in this whole world. So like keep an open mind, like really soak in information, be a sponge. And like all these things will lead to better prompts and more on the fly stuff. Like there's, you know, it's not just uh, things and objects, but adjectives, I'm confused, hungry hangry yeah, emotive <laughs> things get a lot like um <laughs> uh frustrated if you're frustrated? asking for a frustrated statue it gives you very expressive like mm -hmm. um it's it's amazing how well it does emotions in a painting or the statue um but yeah that's a big one like i was gonna say play with emotions but not like that you know what i mean don't yeah. play with someone's emotions <laughs> play with emotions and dolly not yes on, on absolutely person, that's not very nice Absolutely. And so you mentioned with your so your style of practice. So we're going to shift a little bit like how do you practice Dolly too? It's a, I think a very interesting topic. Uh, so you mentioned your dream journal. You mentioned maybe using it and iterating. Um, is there anything else you want to add? Like how do you practice as an artist for Dolly too? Uh, 
so I, you know, I try to capture, I, I really do sometimes just have like a very random thought pop into my head and cause I feel like I'm just a very kind of out there random person and I, yeah. I embrace that and I own that. So I will send myself a text or an email. That's just like 3d render of a concept car. That's a Tesla designed by Richard scary. And then I just get it out of your head. Just get it out of your head. And some of them you'll look at later and be like, eh, maybe not, but others would be like, Oh shoot. Yeah. This, and you always have the ability to try it. It's not like you have to share everything you try. Um, mm -hmm. but I think you'll find after a while that like, you're removing those limitations that you're putting on yourself when you're like, Oh, that's too weird. Or that's stupid. Nobody would like that. That's not true. Put it, just, just throw it all out there. And, um, yeah, just like, uh, do, do keep track of it, whether you write it down or send yourself a little note because you'll totally forget and be like, crap, I thought of something earlier that was like, that would be a great prompt. Um, but yeah, that's my advice. Like even mm. if you're, you're daydreaming, or you're thinking about a vacation you went on, or you see something like uh, maybe you're taking a walk and. Sorry, we cut off again. So it was, you know, make sure you, you know, take a look around when you're outside. Did you want to pick up from there? Yes. Um, sorry about that. So yeah, for inspiration, it's literally just your, your everyday world. Like maybe you're mm. out for a walk and you, you see something on the sidewalk, take a picture of it and then upload it into Dolly later and ask for variations or describe it to Dolly. Um, mm. you know, if you, if you don't, you know, not, not have the opportunity to go outside, like look around you, find something very textured or colorful, put a picture yep. of it in Dolly or describe it. And then, so look around you. And then also look within you and inside you. So your dreams and your, your thoughts and kind of yeah. um, nostalgia. That's a great one to start with. Awesome. And you've already mentioned, I believe, one other big one. Like you mentioned, Isaac Sench, like he does that activity where he takes an existing photo oh, and, fun, asks, yeah. and asks you so, you. so you take an existing photo and you try to describe it with text. And then you try to get Dolly to match that original image. As, as much as possible. That's a great practice exercise to like get better at prompt and image alignment and also learn to articulate something word you crafting. see by reference. Yeah, yeah word, crafting. word crafting. Becoming, yes. that, becoming the, the Dolly poet or, you know, <sighs> Danielle and I said from early on, we kind of felt like we were talking to an oracle that, that yes. knew, knew everything, but mm. not really how to you had to be very descriptive in what you wanted the Oracle to show you. Like the Oracle is kind of obstinate and you could ask it for something and it'd be like, yeah. and then you're like, okay, but here's really specifically. And then the Oracle's like, oh, why didn't you say so? Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of, you want to find some middle ground between its interpretation and what you want, what it can do, what it's doing, what it understands and what you want and understand. Um, another tip that Lapine has already shared uh, this is also based on what Danielle has suggested, which is like you want to internalize this alt text. You want to become an alt text image captioning machine. Um, <laughs> and like that will help you. Um, I would also just add like I found reddit.com r slash pics is an awesome subreddit to practice Dolly prompts. And the reason that I say that is the stuff that's ranking really high on r slash picks is already interesting to some general audience. On top of that, when I found, because I found based on, I made a video on it, like, hey, let me take the highest ranking posts for one random day off of Reddit and make them into the Dolly versions. What I found is I was exposed to different walks of life. 
one of the photos was, you know, uh, somebody's dash, a, a photo of his dashboard at a red light in Colorado. And there's all these mountains behind the, the red light. And I've never been to Colorado. I know it's very beautiful and mountainous, but I never would have thought of that. And yeah. that would have shown in my Dolly prompts. Somebody else uploaded a photo of their grandmother in front of like this special kind of plant that's really tall and very colorful. And Do by the way, Dolly made like an exact replica of her grandma and the plant like <laughs> right away. But like the point is, I never would have thought of that. Right. Um, and so what you want to do is keep your imagination fresh. You want to be exposed to different walks of life, different perspectives, different interesting things, different terms. And all of that will come out in your prompts. And so I do recommend, like, if you ever want to practice one night, go to r slash picks, try to recreate those, try to have fun, and you'll pick up these new words that you can then use uh, to, in your dolly generations. That's um, a great, great tip. Great tip. And so, by the way, like, so while I have you, like, how would you describe your overall process that, Lapine, like, and by the way, like, I, I, you know, you did casually mention as well that you do use Procreate, which I, I think is very unique as well for, for you for compared to everybody else in the community. So, like, how would you describe it overall? What does it so look like? I always – so I'm very careful when I do post uh, prompts that I always indicate when I've used Procreate because I hmm. don't want people to assume that what I've done is part of the, the platform or the model – I use mm. Procreate specifically for these kind of expanded images that you see. So maybe I had, for an example, I did a prompt of a mannequin wearing a jacket made uh, made from moss. And then a few weeks later, quite recently, I will take that image. I've saved the image on my iPad. Um, I will open a fresh, clean canvas. That's a square. Very important. Otherwise, it'll get cropped in Procreate. And then I will put that that image of the mannequin wearing the moss jacket. And then I put that kind of where I imagine where I want that to stand in the final image and how big I want it to be. Then I use the eraser to move the Dolly logo because if you don't, it'll start putting colors in places. Yeah. And then I, um, and I actually wanted to do a post on this, like a, just a little like side by side of what this looks like. Cause it's, mm -hmm. it's kind of hard to imagine if you don't use procreate, but you're basically taking that shrunken down image putting it on a bigger blank canvas, and then you take it back to Dolly and you use the original prompt, a mannequin wearing a jacket made of moss. So instead of just the just part of the jacket and part of the torso that you had in the original image, you'll actually get a head and some super sweet pants that are made from moss that I would totally wear and yeah. standing on this rocky <clears throat> pedestal. And my goodness, maybe you want to give him a hat made of moss or maybe he needs some super sweet aviators. Like there are so many so many possibilities with these expanded or sometimes people call it outcropping images and i hmm. i i wish there was something we could do right in dolly but for now um it's easy to take it out and then um other times i've used procreate is if, now with the dolly limitations if if it's really getting getting stuck on something i will go back into procreate and use the blur to soften a line and then put it back into Dolly to finish it. So instead mm -hmm. of like taking that, spending those generations to like get rid of an artifact or add something, I might go into Procreate and sketch it in. And then that's one of the amazing things that Dolly does. If you throw a scribble in there and then mm -hmm. start in painting over it, it will mm -hmm. yeah. match it. It's wild. It's <laughs> that's awesome. 
Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, so I, I really admire the procreate thing and, you know, somebody else, Michael Carishow, he's like a TikTok, you know, dolly to AI artist, uh, killing it on, on TikTok and everywhere else. Uh, I have, and I have never been on TikTok and I'm going to admit this publicly. I've also, I also don't have a Reddit account. I need to get with the times. <laughs> I, need to, I need to get with the times and I live in San Francisco. So come on. I'm mm. like. There's no excuse for me to not be plugged into these things. Uh, well, m what's cool about Michael is he's experimented with Dolly and video. He's experimented. So, like, I just sort of want to broaden people's horizon. Like, it's you can use Dolly with Photoshop. You can use Dolly and make videos. You can try to make animations, maybe. You I can have also seen some of those shared on Twitter. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And Procreate, all these different tools. People are writing books, so they'll have a GPT-3 story and a Dolly image generation, right? So there's lots of ways to experiment. And so by my understanding, Lapine, so the, the final step in your process, uh, if you use Procreate, fair amount of in-painting, the prompt, your inspiration, whether it's from your dreams or what have you, daily life, the final step, so you, by my understanding, you mainly post on Twitter, like yes. not on Instagram. Nope, they all go on Twitter and yep. my poor iPad and this one horribly disorganized photo, uh, folder on my computer. Got it. It is just a folder of weirdness. It's really fun. So what I like about Twitter, because I'm doing the same thing. Um, what I like about it is it does try to keep the same resolution somewhat. Yeah. And I like that I can upload multiple photos. And so I found like your your posts do better because sometimes people like another version of that prompt, not the one that was your favorite. So you go a lot further, in my view, sharing multiple Dolly versions of it as opposed to just the one that you liked. Yeah, um, and I, I grouped them into threes. I did used to do longer threads threads for statue struggles, but I, I hmm. feel like it would I would lose some of them that way. So hmm. I try to group them in threes and hmm. Yeah, that's a really great point, though, because uh, you might your favorite might actually be somebody thinking like, oh, well, no, this one next to it's like much better. So because, you know, it's all part of our subjective ex experience. Yeah. And I for me, like I always post and participate in social media that I actually myself personally use. Yeah. Like Reddit and Twitter and YouTube. Um, mm -hmm. And like you're right talking about TikTok. Like I don't really use TikTok. Like I, I may delete it for months on end. And I also don't post on there because I just I don't really I'm not that much into it. Like I'm not that's not necessarily my thing. I like Michael stuff. But do all of these TikTok dances. I'm so <laughs> devastated. Good, good oh. luck. Good luck getting me to be on anybody's TikTok. Like oh, it's man. Okay, it would take I, I feel like there's a bet brewing here. Like I think we're gonna mm. have to structure a bet where like mm. if you fig if you like Oh, okay. I'm going to come up with this. There's going to be a bet related mm -hmm. to pricing model for Dolly too. <laughs> and then yeah. like, all right, I will even, I will even do a multiple linear regression for you of this. So like we'll mm -hmm. define your variables and your independent variable. We'll yeah. get you like, we'll find out if this, if this is like statistically significant. So it'll yeah. be like a really, um, a really analyzed bet before we subject you to this. So yeah, we'll have you make that bet. And yeah. look at the model, and if you lose, you're gonna have to do one of the TikTok dances. I think that would be a great bet. Listen, I can simplify it further. Like, I, I think I would do it for charity. Like, if there's All like right, some, this is even some, better. 
Yeah, if there's this some saves me like a lot of math, so thank you. Yeah, like some good charitable cause, I, I'm happy to do it. Do it for for the community, yes, for the for dolly, the for the audience. Uh, but like, <laughs> anyways, I would, like I would totally fund that. That would be great. I, I'm down. Like I, I'm not like that much against it. Like I guess all I'm just saying though is like I've seen like a lot of dolly Instagram accounts growing and like. Like, I think if you're using the right hashtags, you could probably build an Instagram account pretty quickly. I was um, curious about uh, Dolly and Instagram. Um, you hmm. know, Instagram is one of the things where I I have had an Instagram for a long time. But I, like you said, with TikTok, you forget about it for months. I, hmm. I go on there when I'm like, shoot, my cousin probably had her baby now. I should go like the picture <laughs> so I don't seem like a jerk. And yeah. like... Once or twice a year, I might be like, look at my rabbit, look at my pig, look at the sunset, like very yeah. basic, not special Instagram. It kind of just lets my extended family know that I'm alive and a functioning <laughs> member of society. Um, yeah. So I've yeah. always wondered how um, I haven't actually gone on there to search for Dolly related hashtags. Like how do those mm. do do? people reach do people reach other people with their art on tiktok or not TikTok, on instagram with the dolly I'm, hashtag for what i'm observing i feel so i feel so and i feel like because i've seen like i've seen a lot of your work my work i've seen danielle's work i've seen august's work on these accounts posted even uncredited mm. and so like the, the the point is not that the point is like there's a huge creative community on instagram I happen to just bias towards Twitter because I just use Twitter a lot, right? Like I, I love the smoke. I love the smoke. I'm on Twitter, uh, you know, either being triggered or triggering other people. And so like, it's just, that's where it's I'm slapping. at. It's slapping. It's, <laughs> it's slapping. Slap. Twitter's, Twitter's slapping. Slaps. Twitter's yeah. slapping. Twitter slaps. <laughs> well, I, that's like, I think I have some, some homework then to, to take this uh, completely confusing and terrifying and weird and fun yeah. folder from my computer and there's going to be a Lapine Instagram and they're going to be like, this person just joined and has like thousands of posts. <laughs> like Maybe it won't be as curated as my Twitter. Like it can just be a sloppy brain dump of, of like every dolly I've ever done. So certainly with, with Instagram, like I think it does give you some reach and like an audience and maybe you can monetize it depending upon your goals. But I would also say the nah, good thing. I just of, want people to see the weird. That's yeah. It, so a lot of people want to see a portfolio, like especially other creatives. And so yeah. they're, they expect an Instagram. And my thing is like, you got to go on my Twitter and browse my media. Like there's no curated way that they can check it. Yeah. But the other piece with Instagram, besides the portfolio, besides the algorithm, Instagram is a square crop. And that's exactly what Dolly is, right? Uh, I so, see what they did there. I see what they did there. There's maybe some inherent advantage built into the limitations of Instagram. Like, I, I think this is something that like, I'd be interested, like, if anybody else wants to share their story as an artist, like, growing on Instagram, like, what's that like? Um, with Twitter though, like one thing I like about it is it does reach a lot of the machine learning community, you know, maybe CEOs see it, a lot of people like that. And that's kind of my audience. But I think like just sort of talking in general, like that's also part of a piece, like depending upon your goals, like if as an artist, like if you also, you probably want to start thinking about promoting your stuff, uh, there's different outlets and my model works for me. It may not work for you. Like experiment, try different things. 
Um, and you're right. Maybe we should both be posting on Instagram just even to see, like, oh my god, what would happen? There's gonna be TikTok dances, and now we have to get Instagram. This is wild. What a time so, to be alive. So, Mike, Michael's, I think, got a really good model for TikTok for AI art. Like, I'd oh, recommend yeah. it. Just ha- like he will basically talk about it, and like it's just the focus is on the art, and like he's he's killing it. I think he's a good model for the whole thing. Yeah. Uh, and I'm definitely going to put a link to Michael's uh, TikTok in the YouTube description in the show notes. Definitely check out his work. Um, and so anyways, like, I guess we're nearing the end here. I got like two two more broader questions. And so we're sure. kind of already t- talking about this. So um, how do you how do you become a successful Dolly 2 artist? Like, what do you think? What does it take? Uh, how do you achieve greatness? How do you make history? Right, like let's let's raise the bar. Let's just say, what are what are uh, what metrics are we using to define success? Because success is very mm-hmm. success is very different for some people, and it might even change day to day. Some days yeah. I just want to make people laugh. Mm-hmm. Other days maybe I want people to be like, oh, what? And some days I just want to like chat with other artists and be like, oh, look at this thing I made. Can I get your feedback on it? So yeah. I, I think. Um, you know what so give me some hypothetical success metrics and i will give you my recommendations for how you might achieve those i listen i i agree i agree with what you're saying like i think a lot of the stuff that i've made that's done well i either made for me or my friends or like mm-hmm. a specific group of people it was not targeted to be great like i'd rather the algorithm do the work right and promote it if it connects it connects um but like i think I think like a lot of what the success quote unquote would take is what we've already talked about. You want to soak in information. You want to be an independent thinker. You want to have fun. You want to enjoy it. You want to be unfiltered. Yeah. But like, let, let your, like, like we talked about how everyone develops their personal style. Let that shine yeah. through that uniqueness of it. Cause you're dealing with something, you know, when in the first early weeks of Dolly, it was like, you could prompt anything and people would be amazed because amazed they by hadn't it. seen yeah. it. But now that tens of thousands of people are getting onboarded, yeah. everyone's thinking like, oh, this is going to lose its edge. No one's going to be interested in it. No, it just means that like that individual style and quality that each person brings, that's what's going to make it stand out. And it'll stand out to some people and not to others, um, just, mm-hmm. like, just like other art does. It's so funny I, how I, that works. I think it's, you know, all of this is accelerating. Like we are accelerating creativity itself. We are pushing the boundaries. It's not just Picasso, right? It's yeah. an olive, an olive, like with the, the background of a Picasso, right? Yep. Or like, a, like, anyways, like, but I, I think, uh, I think maybe two narrow criteria. Like if I was to force this success question out there for anybody listening, like I think like a really successful Dolly meme, like something which is so the greatest meme ever that everybody sees at some point and they don't even perhaps even know is generated by Dolly. That could be one success criteria. Yeah, a meme I, for sure. I think like, uh, you know, uh, I've published in the past about what I call recombinant art, which is, I think, this whole art movement that underlies Dolly. Uh, if you sort of enter that story, like if, if your goal is to make history and maybe in that wave you sort of make something so significant that it's it's just remembered it's defining of the era that's another way to do it um yes that goes back to the kind of like something that hasn't been seen before the impossible the unimaginable um yeah yeah and maybe and i'll even throw in commercial success i i think 
maybe a commercial success route would be collaborating with somebody who's never used Dolly. Uh, maybe collaborating with somebody maybe a little bit out of your career level, but you are the AI expert and you sort of teach them prompts. You sort of get them excited and you say, hey, let's collaborate. Maybe we can do an installation. Maybe we could maybe you could teach me the business of, of art and or maybe you're a filmmaker. Let me just be on set and there let me go. like let me punch some prompts. You You don't need to pay me. But from there, you can then achieve other goals. Uh, it's and very true. And like, I think like that the um, there's room for collaboration. Like maybe you want to do a 3D render of something. It, do you have a friend that does ceramics or has a 3D printer and can mm. pop it out for you? Like, you know, mm. I think that collaboration is really an important part of it, too, because then there's two of you and not one of you working on something and you each bring something to the table and you each have different audiences. So if you're looking at success from a point of like, I'm reaching a lot of people with my, with my art, then collaborations and a lot of different collaborations and reaching like just something from so many different categories that something, some of it will speak to somebody. So mm -hmm. Dan Danielle's meme slaps when she's like the very, like beautifully crafted, like, you know, photographic prompt, and then Elmo at KFC. You have to do both of those things. But it's true because both of those things are already inside you. So you will find both of those. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think it's like you want to, in a way, like not attack success directly. Like you want to try to just have fun with it. You want to yeah. try to have fun, try to be yourself, like don't put too much pressure on yourself. Um, and it's a little bit tricky right now. Those self doubts and those blocks that we love to, you know, as humans put in our ways, yeah, just get rid of those. If if you just try to make good prompts, like you will miss the vast majority of good prompts. Like you'll end up making things that everybody's already done. Maybe people don't care about, or it's like too derivative, right? So you want to like, but the, even the commercial piece, like I'm putting it in people's head, like it's a little bit tricky right now. Like you're not allowed to use Dolly in commercial settings. Right. Obviously, OpenAI still owns the work, but it's worth thinking about now. Like if you want to be the defining Dolly 2 artist, I hope this podcast has given you many, many ideas and ways to think be about inspired. it. Yeah. And part of the reason I, I've had you on, Lapine, is I actually think you are defining Dolly 2 artist. It, to be absolutely clear. Like I think especially the stuff you're doing with animals, where you're going with this stuff. Um, I think it is a good representation of the technology and its capabilities. Um, and like, you know, like your work is like everywhere. I've seen Danielle's work, like, like, you know, and part of it is part of it is like, we, we did get access early, but I, I do think like your work is very characteristic of, of, of Dolly too. Like I, I believe so. Um, Anyways, like uh, that was that was the success piece. Hopefully, I've I've given you guys lots of ideas. Um, the last piece is like you know the community is growing, so like it's massively accelerating. Maybe it's going to get competitive. All these things. What advice would you give to newcomers entering the community? They just you know maybe they just got access. They're trying to figure out how to get to labs.openai.com instead of beta.openai.com. <laughs> I feel that when that happened to me, I was like, "What am I doing wrong?" <laughs> um, I went through that with GPT three. I was yeah, like, "Why yeah. isn't it working? I broke it." They're like, "No, no, no, here's what you do." Um, so like you first, you open it up for the first time and. You're just like, oh my goodness, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here. And you're very excited. Um, don't even just type that first thing that comes to mind. For me, that was the abstract painting of an elephant balancing act. But for you, maybe it's um, 
a drunk turkey on a moped. <laughs> like, yeah, that's what that's what happened when I was on the spot, and someone said, "Give me something weird for original Dolly." I said, "Oh no, a drunk turkey on a moped." So yeah, just um, there is no right or wrong, like you like you said earlier, Bax. There's no right or wrong. Um, just just go nuts, find what you like, find you'll find you will find it. You will find that like. I really want to make a series of this because I enjoyed it or gosh, I really love how it, it does, you know, galactic nebulous art creations, or maybe you just, I don't know, you want a project where like you're reimagining Microsoft Clippy as a hobo because he failed and he's like panhandling, like just, just roll with it. <laughs> That's awesome. I haven't tried that one yet, but now I might. <laughs> uh, I, I I would just like, like on a practical note, like I would say that the tips that are in the Dolly product. So when you enter a prompt and it's loading, it shows you all these tips on add, add this modifier, add this. Have you tried this? They are very helpful and can sort of get you to this base level of competency very quickly. And I mean competency, like this is not like Photoshop where you might spend weeks or months learning it. I mean, like these are like you put in these little keywords and you'll be able to make meaningful things very, very quickly. Like, for example, so if you do photo of, you are now asking for an actual photo, something photorealistic. If you toss in digital art at the end, it looks way better. Uh, and you're sort of learning 3D render versus illustration versus all these things. The tips are very helpful. So assuming you can make it to labs.openai.com, assuming you make it that far, uh, pay attention to the tips. And like Lapine is saying, um, go with the flow, have fun. And one small tip as well is like, I, I really recommend join the Dolly 2 Discord. Uh, the community is popping. You learn a lot from people. People are sharing tips. I, If you want to get like a full sampling of the, how the space is accelerating, I recommend. So Reddit, r slash Dolly 2 is very good. But I feel like the real acceleration, you feel it like in real time on, on the Discord. So join the community. You can search different things. Uh, you know, for now, open eyes on some channels. So you can ask questions, share bugs, get feedback. That's normally where the latest news is as well, like all the goings ons and stuff. Um, I would I would just recommend that too. Um, and uh, yeah, like I, I think that the the fun part is kind of what you're describing, Lapine. Is it's it's a playground. You just go for it. Like there's You've no loose in a laboratory. Just, just <clears throat> go go absolutely nuts. Like you know, obviously, like stay within the content guidelines. Um, but you know, outside of that, just have fun. It's an adventure. Yes. Also, um, be prepared for like vivid or strange dreams and maybe clear your calendar for like the first two days because you are not yeah. going to want to sleep or leave your wherever your computer is or your tablet. So just be prepared for that. Um, I think Doug Bonneville posted a lot about the the roller coaster of when he first got, got Dolly of this like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe this. And this kind of internal like, what about this? So it's an adventure like you're you're on a journey yeah and like i would just add to like a lot of people from OpenAI listening like um i get a lot of messages for people who don't know how to join the discord <laughs> like and it's like uh it's in the it's supposed to be in the footer of every email like i think that needs to be more obvious i think it needs to be more obvious that you need to go to labs.openai versus beta.openai 
for that. And then uh, I think there was one other small thing, but I can't remember. Um, I can't remember. But the third thing is as well, like definitely like once you learn Dolly, like I also recommend you start playing around with GPT-3. Like I, I yes. think. Oh, I, I really agree with that. Like, yeah. Co-create. I can't wait till those two products like talk to each other. Maybe like, I think there's so much opportunity there. I will um, never get anything else done ever in my life. If that happens, I'm just telling you right now, which you know what, honestly, that's maybe not a bad thing, but yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> okay. Was there, is there anything else slipping? Any, anything that any questions you had, anything you wanted to bring up? Any closing thoughts? No, I'm just, I'm, I'm really the, one thing that has just been so nice for me is as this is rolling out and more people are getting access, I am absolutely loving seeing everyone's creations, including some people that, that early on were saying like, oh my gosh, can you try this prompt for me? And months go by and I see them with access now. And I just, I love that. And I, I can't wait to see more. And it's just, it's a great thing. And I think it, it helps us share again. I know I talk about a lot about our like collective experience, but it, mm. you know, we're all on this journey together and we're, we're sharing our experiences and making this like amazing thing. Um, so I'm, I am here for it and I'm so excited. That is awesome. I, my closing thoughts are like similar with GPT three. Like it's just crazy to see stuff that you and some weird excited nerds have been talking about since last year like i made a whole series about it last summer like to see it go from there to the new york times to every creative you know like filmmakers graphic designers asking you about dolly oh what what's it like can you show me to see it go from a concept to real world thing and seeing it everywhere is also crazy to experience and be on this ride um I, one other thing is uh, I'm going to talk about it in a future podcast, but like I definitely just want to emphasize like safety and taste and positivity. Um, we didn't touch on the Dolly Mini stuff, but I think we are witnessing an inflection point for multimodal AI for language models. Uh, there was some other activity as well I'm going to talk about in the future, but try to like one thing the community has done really well. Like I said in the past that like, Dolly is very good for cutesy, artsy animals and digital art about them. And like part of it is like there's a positivity and innocence behind the community. It's nice to see the community scale and continue that culture. But my other tip for everybody else is like, like really, you know, try to try to be positive, try to like add to art, try to like, you know what I mean? Like we're focused on art over here. Like we're not like teenage boys. Like, yeah. you know, like you totally many access to it. It's, you know, there's, there's that. And too. I, I just would love to see everyone in the world using it. And I, I just know somebody in K to 12 is using it at school and yeah. they are continuing to have a positive experience. This, this positivity has the potential, like this positivity, this inclusivity, this has the potential to change art and culture forever. Right. So if we can be a part of something good, like I think, Try to try to keep that in mind while you know also having fun. Uh, yeah, and I, I, for the greater good. 
for the greater good, I'm trying not to have like a moral high ground here. Like I'm surely not perfect, but I, it's just it's just nice to see that like you know I I do believe OpenAI did spend a lot of time on safety and the training and the data set. Like Definitely. this is this is something meant to be used in a positive, safe, and inclusive way. So you should take advantage of it and and you know be a part of of something really really good, a good force, Amazing. hopefully a yeah. good force in the world. So. Anyways, thank you so much again, Lapete. This may be not just the best, longest, most insightful it, podcast I I, ever. Thank you. This is great. I feel like we could just yeah. go on forever. Like this is this yeah. has been so delightful. And yes, um, I yeah, thank you. It's we 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 got to get the Twitter Spaces again. We got to reassemble the super team. Yes, and uh, have something. Every, everyone's been awfully quiet since the the limitation came about. So <laughs> maybe maybe we should check in on everyone and make sure everyone's like keeping it together. Hey, get in there. Yeah, yeah. y'all okay? Yeah, yeah. Y'all got so, any props? <laughs> so, is there any any last thing you you wanted to plug? Like you you have I imagine on Twitter anything? Where can people find you uh, online? Yeah, I'm I'm on Twitter at Lapine de la Terre, um, which is French for rabbit of the earth because I like rabbits. Um, and just, um, yeah, again, like I, I can't wait to see what, what everyone comes up with and thanks to everyone for, for being on this journey with us. Um, very grateful. Awesome. Uh, thank you again. Uh, I'm now going to wrap up. So multimodal by Baxi future available everywhere, you know, Stitcher, Spotify, Pocket Cast, subscribe, make sure you subscribe to my YouTube so that when we're doing the podcast and there's all these visuals, you can see them, you know, about my newsletter, backseatfuture.substack.com. And you can find me on Twitter at B-A-K-Z-T Future. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in. I'll catch you in the next one. Bye. <laughs>